This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good Friday morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. Happy Friday. Happy Friday and uh, happy National Donut Day. Uh, we've also got National or Impersonate Authority Day. I went to the Wharton School of Finance. I was like, I'm not like a really smart person. Speaking of impersonating an authority. Wow. If you, if you want to be really good at impersonating authorities, just talk about how great you are all the time. At everything. Say so tremendous. Tremendous. We will uh, we'll be getting into those days as well. Of course, more Donald Trump. Isn't that what running for president is? Uh, impersonating authority. You, you, you have to look presidential at some level, even we'll though Donald Trump tries to resist that, I you guess, gotta, labeling it that way. You got to fake it till you make it. There you go. That's but but some people day. actually. <laughs> yeah. We know. Talk about impersonating authority. You, but some people actually are are presidential. You know what I mean? They're just right. they're they're great leaders. They have a following that they don't put people down. They have a plan. They refrain from saying things they shouldn't. I mean, some people just do that. Okay. And then some people have to impersonate it, fake it. We'll see. We'll talk about Donald, man. We've got a lot on him today. And um, also, uh, we've got a great topic coming up with our uh, kind of our show dietitian. <laughs> She's officially – Andrea Ovard is now officially the dietitian for The Matt Townsend Show. She's going to get us healthy one way or another. And she's, she's going to help us uh, learn and respond really to an article that came out, Why You Shouldn't Exercise to Lose Weight. There's so much energy and emphasis in this country put on exercise, probably even more than significantly more than diet. And yet because exercising alone isn't the way you lose weight. I think you, it's, you can market exercising as fun. You can't market dieting as fun. Yeah. Because dieting, dieting, dieting is a pain. Not doing something you want to yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Exercise could be something just as fun as, hey, come climb a mountain with us. Right. Let's go on a hike. And as somebody that j- just climbed a mountain and did a hike, yeah. not fun. Well. Even if you're with people that are fun. If you, if you did it more. Yeah, no. I think if it's whenever your heart feels like it's actually beating outside of your body. It's, it's not that rigorous of a hike, is it? Oh, yeah. Is Have it? you not done it? You've got to do it. Why would I do it? No, it, actually, when your son's a little older, it's way fun because – you there's all there's goals you got to get to the Y ump on the mountain there's lots of talk lots of time and then all of a sudden you get there and you can just have a picnic hmm. it's pretty neat but I wouldn't do it again okay nightmare <laughs> not an idiot anywho we will be talking about why you uh, shouldn't only focus on exercise to lose weight with our dietitian Andrea Ovard also um, just tons of Fun. We've, we're going to introduce a whole new segment today called uh, f- um, News Flush. It's like a news flash, mm. but we're going to flush a bunch of news. There you go. What do you think? Just get rid of stuff, a bunch of stories that are hanging out there. we got to flush them. So let's do that. But first, let's get to the, uh, really, the man, the myth, the legend, Terry South, to give us the headlines. Terry, what's up? 
Thanks, Matt. The Republican House Speaker Paul Ryan wrote in a Thursday op-ed that he would vote for presumptive Republican presidential candidate Donald Trump in the fall. He has made his decision. He is whatever demons were in the closet have been vexed, and now Donald Trump's the candidate. <laughs> this comes after Ryan had previously said he was not ready to endorse him. The pair had a series of discussions by phone and in person in the weeks leading up to the endorsement. Here's Paul Ryan. Ryan told the AP that he had friends who wanted him to support Trump as the presumptive Republican nominee and others who hoped he wouldn't. I really didn't feel any pressure other than my goal is to make sure that we're unified so that we're at full strength in the fall so we can win the election. His main concern, he said, is about saving the country and preventing a third progressive liberal term, which is what a Hillary Clinton presidency would do. Hmm. A California campaign rally for Donald Trump turned violent Thursday night as several hundred protesters gathered in San Jose. The Republican presidential nominee's supporters were punched, struck, smacked with food and eggs, hit with items. Wow. Yeah. The rally ended. Some Trump supporters... And that was all during (laughs) Trump's talk. (laughs) That was like the lead up before he came out. Uh, Trump supporters who wanted to return to their cars were chased and beaten. Other protesters waved Mexican flags while Trump supporters yelled at them, go back to Mexico. Oh, boy. According to the Mercury News, a young woman was one, at one point struck in the head by a flying metal parking barricade. Holy cow. Yeah, so eventful. Wow, sorry I missed that. Democracy. <laughs> the U.S. economy added only 38,000 jobs in May, far below the 160,000 jobs economists expected. The March and April job numbers were also revised down by 59,000 jobs. That means the U.S. economy added an average of just 116,000 jobs per month over the last three months, Ooh. reflecting a significant slowdown from last year's average monthly growth of 229,000 jobs. This is partly due to what they're calling the Verizon effect, as nearly 40,000 workers went on strike in April and were idle for the payroll survey period. So they weren't paid for the month. So that would have, I guess, gotten us up to uh, 78,000. Yeah. Still well below the 150 or whatever they were Unemployment for. dropped to 4.7% in May from 5% in April, but largely because the labor force participation rate fell. People had stopped looking. <sighs> okay. <laughs> positive or and how about just that the economy is not working well yet. there's that yeah just that uh and some sad news a blue angel pilot died on yeah. thursday after he was unable to safely eject from his faa 18 jet a group of pilots is practicing for their upcoming show outside of nashville this weekend when marine captain jeff cuss uh his aircraft crashed earlier in the day an f-16 pilot was forced to eject from his aircraft after participating in a flyover for the air force's uh, air force academy's graduation festivities according to a report the blue angel will no longer participate in the air show this weekend in Nashville. Wow. At the uh, Air Force Academy, President Obama was speaking. And so he uh, he was able, the, the pilot in that situation in Colorado ejected, and then the president was able to go over and say, hey, how you doing? Holy cow. That is tragic. Two crashes. Two crashes. Uh, and some positive news. Yes. We've been talking about this Japanese boy yes. lost in the forest. Cute little kid. Seven years old. His parents dropped him off in the forest as punishment because he was throwing rocks at cars earlier in the day. You mean in the bear-infested and In a bear-infested <laughs> forest. forest. And uh, he survived for seven days. Unbelievable. <laughs> no Great food news. or water. The, par- the parents originally told police their son had gotten lost while they were out hiking to gather wild vegetables. But later they said they were angry and tried to punish him because he was throwing stones at cars. So they found him. <laughs> Apparently he's he's okay. He's in the hospital. He's probably dehydrated. But uh, Now, Timmy, yeah. what did you learn? 
What did you learn? I won't throw rocks anymore, Mom. <laughs> My mom's mean. The sad thing was for seven days he got to throw as many rocks as he wanted to. Yes. That's such great news, though. And, I mean, I, I didn't realize. I read an article about, I guess in Japan, parents are pretty rough on their kids. I mean, usually they're spoiling them is the idea. They're constantly over-nurturing or whatever. But apparently, too, they can they can discipline pretty strict like that. So Now, apparently the boy was able to find shelter. That's great. There I know. There was a building out in the forest, and they found him curled up on a mattress, uh, not visibly injured. The, the soldiers that found him gave him rice balls and bread. Uh, when he was, because he was hungry, and like water, obviously, because he was thirsty. He told police that he had been in the drill area for several days after walking alone in the forest. Uh, the t- a TV station and a, and a newspaper said the boy told police he had walked to the hut inside the military uh, compound and taken shelter there Saturday night, the day he went missing. So he wow. was in, in, inside pretty much the whole time, he said. You know, that's amazing. Again, he, it says he did have access to water. They said outside this hut, there was like a, a tap. So he's able to go out and get a drink of water. He's just kind of hungry. I don't know. I'd love to find out, you know, how stressed he was because it's almost like he just got back from camp because there's a military, there's military operations going on or a base or something yeah. around there. And uh-huh. so he goes and finds a hut with a cot, apparently, and a tap of water and can just, I guess all he needed food. But how do we know he – were there like McDonald's wrappers? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's amazing. That's cool. I would have been dead. If my mom and dad dropped me off at a beer, a beer at a bear-infested forest, yeah, well, I'd be dead. You hear that and you're like, "That's it's a little overstated. No, yeah. But, bear, yeah. but bear. you know what my luck is? Have you ever just been the guy that walks across the lawn and there's only one – pile of doo-doo that you could step in and you happen to be the guy that found the pile just that one that's yeah. my life so i would have like walked into a i would have cozied into a a bear den oh yeah with like 10 a family like, of bears oh, oh wow there's a cave this is safe and, and you'll they, just walk yeah. right in yeah, yeah they would have been like ah oh, delivery <laughs> hello matt hello bear family i'm going to leave this now. is from that new place upstate let's go have some of that <laughs> Uh, that's cool. That's great news. It's always it's, we we don't get enough good news like that. Come on, that's really cool. Um, so much to talk about. I don't even know where to begin. Uh, Hillary Clinton came out, put together a talk. She did. By the way, with eighteen flags behind her. Oh, were there eighteen? Eighteen people are like oh, she should have more flags. Wow, she really loves the country. <laughs> She's eighteen flags worth of love. And uh, the thing about Hillary's, she she pretty much went off of the campaign trail, spent two days working on this talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, t- she had to type it into her own teleprompter. Right. And again, Trump makes such a big deal about that. But whenever they actually need Trump to mean what he says and say what he means, they actually type it up and put it on a teleprompter. Well, he did a, 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 he's done a foreign policy speech. Yeah. And he also spoke at a, I forget what the group was, but it was a big convention. Yeah. Both times, teleprompters. Yeah. And he sounded like everyone else does. You just read your speech. So I, I don't and know. she killed it, and because she also had a lot of this was filled with humor and timing, and it was pretty awesome. I mean, as far as yeah, she had a joke that actually hit a political talk. Yeah, <laughs> let's listen to her a few clips. Uh, um, Clinton, this is Clinton's view of Trump not being fit for office. The person the Republicans have nominated for president cannot do the job. Donald Trump's ideas aren't just different. They are dangerously incoherent. 
They're not even really ideas, just a series of bizarre rants, personal feuds, and outright lies. Woo! Uh, He's also got a a thin skin. This is not someone who should ever have the nuclear codes, because it's not hard to imagine Donald Trump leading us into a war just because somebody got under his very thin skin. There's no risk of people losing their lives if you blow up a golf course deal. (laughs) Wow. She's hitting him hard. And uh, even comparing him, uh, I mean, his relationship with Putin. He said, you've got to give Kim Jong-un credit for taking over North Korea, something he did by murdering everyone he saw as a threat, including his own uncle. And he said if he were grading Vladimir Putin as a leader, he'd give him an A. Now, I will leave it to the psychiatrist to explain his affection for tyrants. It's such a weird. Yeah. <sighs> she does have a delivery issue where, yeah. like, like right there, she goes tyrants. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you think maybe you, I don't know, you 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 close that differently the way it sounds. Right. She just she tries to emphasize things and it's very awkward. Even after practicing it, right, and having yeah. it written, it's just yeah. I think maybe it was the the not, flags. It's not an. It's the flags. There's just too many flags. It was, I think she had a few more. Honestly, it probably would have gone a lot. Better. They were they were ironed perfectly. Oh, they course. were just hanging at specific angles. It was a wonderful setup. But and eighteen flags. And this is really it seems like from the playbook of Obama. Right, Obama would go in, stage this perfect event, have this perfect talk, and just lay down his his argument, which she, I think she did really well. She still though, I mean, that was a small group, perfect for television. All her supporters, yeah, all her people. Yeah. But she's still not a Bernie Sanders bringing 10,000 people into no. an event. You know what I mean? And so that's, I think, the problem they're going to run into. We have to talk to Joe about it next week because they have all but told Bernie he's done. You're, yeah. You're done, Bernie. Yeah. You're done. And well, I saw an article this morning about it. There's no way you're going to win because – we're already winning. But but he's getting the com- the Democratic National Committee to start changing the way they're going to run the convention exactly. to accommodate him. That's what he wants. Well, and I don't think he's going to stop until the convention because the convention are where the superdelegates are designated. So until the superdelegates have voted at the convention, he hasn't lost. Because you take away the superdelegates, uh-huh. no one's going to clinch She's won thing. conspiracy. She's won you know, indictment. She's won – Whatever announcement from the FBI away from him, maybe looking like a great candidate, <laughs> except not such a great candidate. Hmm. The tangled web, folks. We'll take a break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about your diet and exercise. Is exercise really the number one way to lose weight? Maybe you ought to be focusing more on the diet. Stick with us. We'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Sorry about the uh, delay there. Just so happens that uh, Ben brought his son to work today 
Hey, um, we've got a, a great topic for you. Uh, think about it. You exercise. You're told to exercise. You've got to lose weight. Come on. You know you got to work out. And then all the emphasis is put on working out, getting the right shoes. Uh, if you're Ben, getting leg warmers, a headband, you know, sweatbands on the wrists. It's all about the outfit. You got to look good. The problem is, um, you know, 70% of the population is either overweight or obese. And we have been listening to everybody out there telling us how to get healthier, how to be more fit, how to lose weight. And it seems like the majority of the focus ends up being on the exercise side instead of the actual diet side, the management of what you are actually eating, which, um, you know, then all of a sudden we've got politicians getting involved, public policy, governmental agencies are now having, you know, they've always had the recommended guidelines for our diet. Now they're, they're starting to impact or talk about what we can drink, our beverages we can have or not. So we found an article on Vox.com that looked at over 60 studies in diet and weight loss. It really – it's a it's a dissertation. It's a huge document written by Julia um, uh, Julia Beluz and uh, Javier Zaracina from the Vox. And we – you know, we couldn't understand it. So we brought in a pro. Andrea Ovard is joining us. She um, is a registered dietitian. Uh, also a graduate of Brigham Young University here and now currently works at the University of Utah Hospital as a clinical dietitian in the cardiac ICU and medical units. She also has a wonderful blog that we love to go look at all the pictures on, bakingdietitianblog.com. Just go to the Baking Dietitian, Baking Dietitian, uh, thebakingdietitian.com, and uh, you can find more out about Andrea. Andrea, welcome back to the show. Hi, thanks for having me back. It's good to be here. you got to sort through this 100-page document. <laughs> it is a very long document, but yes. But it's full of such great insight that I didn't, I didn't know. I mean, you're a dietitian, so, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to weight loss, you say diet, right? Yeah, definitely. But when I, when I talk to my uh, – when I talk to my – what do they call him? My cobbler – Mm-hmm. He tells me it's all about my shoes. So, <laughs> right, yeah. so who do I believe with all of this, uh, Andrea? Is it is it more about my exercise? Is it more about my diet? So, I it's it's a complicated topic. I would say it's definitely more about diet, but it's definitely about both. It's not all one or the other. It's 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 more about diet. I don't know. I would say maybe like eighty twenty. Um, but exercise is definitely important for a lot of reasons: weight loss and other health benefits. Because it really gets you in kind of a different frame of mind, right, to where – because there's, so, there's more benefits to exercise than just weight loss. There definitely are. I mean, they've done tons of studies on all the benefits of exercise and not even looking at weight loss at all, but it just helps with, um, you know, reducing risk of cardiovascular disease and diabetes and even mental, you know, it helps with reducing depression and eventually Alzheimer's and dementia and all of these things that helps an elderly with balance so that they don't fall as much. So there's a ton of different benefits of exercise, not even looking at weight loss. It's... Um... It's such a complicated issue, isn't it, too, because everybody is just so different. And some people uh, exercise is just such a part of their life and and maybe always has has Mm -hmm. been. Others, it's something that – like I I go walking every day. I would say I'm pretty – I mean I'm I'm pretty used to exercising my whole life, but Mm -hmm. it's nothing I've ever loved. Yeah, 
Yeah. And and it does differ a lot for people. I mean, some people just love it. I personally really actually enjoy working out and it's something that helps me, you know, relieve stress and and I find it very enjoyable, but I know some people hate it. I definitely have friends and family that are not fans of exercising. And I think that's one of the most important things is finding things that you enjoy. I feel like almost everybody can find something they enjoy. It may not be something that you typically think of as exercising, but it could be, you know, like you said, walking or dancing or or running or whatever it is that you like to do. The um, the research that we read had so many studies, I think 60 studies yeah, that they reviewed, and they went through different parts of, I guess, what we would call the problem of losing weight and being healthy. One of them is just how our body burns calories. Is right. You know, is there a point where... I mean, it seems like your body's going to start to actually play tricks on you because if I'm losing too many calories, won't my body just change the game and start burning or, uh, you know, storing some? A little bit. So it's it's kind of complicated. And I, I was interested in that part of the study specifically because it was it was a little confusing even for, you know, somebody that deals with this every day, just how they were talking about it. But definitely when people aren't eating enough calories, you know, in people that are anorexic or that, you know, just haven't been eating for whatever reason, they don't have access to it, um, your body does go into kind of a starvation mode and it starts to, to hold on to things. Exercise is a little bit different. I did have kind of a hard time with that part of the article just because, I mean, Definitely, they said that, you know, some of the articles found that there's kind of an upper limit or a cap to how many calories you can burn a day. Um, But then they said that this is just a hypothesis and that there are a lot of contradictory studies that show that you can actually, you know, the more physically active you are, the more calories you burn. And I think of people like, you know, Michael Phelps or, you know, Olympic athletes that are, eating, uh, from what I've found, about 12,000 calories a day during training. And if there were an upper limit, I think to an extent there probably is, but I I don't think it's quite as cut and dry as the article made it sound, just because if somebody's eating 12,000 calories a day and they have an upper limit, then people, you know, Olympic athletes that are eating that much yeah. would be obese. No, so exactly. It kind of doesn't make sense. I mean, if I ate 12,000 calories, I'd be dead. Yeah, probably pretty quickly. Don't yes. you think? I mean, yeah, you can only uh, – my exercise is getting to my car. Yeah, right. Not quite the, the <laughs> Not quite. Olympic athlete training schedule. Is, um, but So our bodies are designed – are they designed to be lean machines like, like we see you know, on the average health club brochure? Or it seems like my body through evolution – would have wanted me kind of lean but with a little storage. Right, exactly. And we do need that extra storage. Our bodies want to hang on to a little bit of what people think is extra weight, you know, that extra 5 or 10 pounds that you can't lose. There's a reason that it's so hard to lose, and it's because our bodies are designed to hold on to a little bit of extra weight in times of need, you know, in case we ever do have a time where we're not able to eat or not, you know, able to access food. Our bodies just naturally want to hang on to a little bit of extra weight. And so that's why it takes so much work to get that super lean fit body because it's not natural for most people. And most people kind of have a what's called a set point where their body is just kind of comfortable. And it's different for different people. For some people, it is pretty low. You know, they're, they're pretty thin naturally. And for other people, it's more work because their body just has a higher set point. Yeah. Is... um. And I guess that's the difference, huh? And that's what makes this so complicated is everyone's got a different set point. Everybody has different metabolism. Mm -hmm. And genes play into it and body compensation, you know, which has to do with exercise. How much muscle do you have? And that affects how many calories you're burning and things like that. And so if we look at it, and this gets back to one of your your issues with the article, um, one of the 
what do they call them? One of the graphics talked about the fact that despite prevailing advice, exercise uh, is pretty unhelpful for weight loss. And this was their this was their argument. While one hundred percent of energy we gain comes from food, we can only burn ten to thirty percent of it with physical activity, unless you're you know Michael Phelps. Right. Um, so. Is, I guess there's a point where if we really want to lose weight, we have to do more than just exercise. Exactly. We we have to at some point, I guess, just manage intake, manage yeah. my, the food in. Right. So a majority of what our body burns in calories every day is just our basal metabolic rate, which is the, just the energy that we use for every day, you know, breathing and our heart beating and j- just keeping our body alive burns a lot of calories. And then we have the calories that we burn through that, you know, through digesting and through actually using the food that we eat. And then, like you said, the extra 10 to 30 percent comes from physical activity, whether that's just, you know, walking around at work or actually going to the gym or whatever. So it definitely we, you know, all of our calories that we eat count and then we can only burn so many of those in exercise. I think exercise is definitely important and helpful in weight loss. And even the article kind of mentioned a few times, well, if you exercise, it can help you even more. But you definitely can't rely only on exercise. And especially the article kind of talked about, you know, we compensate for, well, I went to the gym, so now I can have a cheeseburger. And that's not a good way of thinking about it. Totally. One lap, one Twinkie. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's a lot easier to eat way more calories. You know, it takes a lot longer to burn a Twinkie off than it does to eat a Twinkie. So. Oh, you know, <laughs> it's you. that is so true, by the way. <laughs> it is. I mean, Andrea, I could eat a Twinkie in a second. Exactly. Yeah. yeah but you it, think about like a pasta dish, at, you know, some uh, restaurant that's 12, 1500 calories. That's going to take you three or four hours at the gym at least to burn off. That's so true. And then you're, I'm, I'm eating it at eight o'clock at night. Yeah. <laughs> What are we thinking? And you go to restaurants now where the, the portion sizes are enormous. They're huge. And, you know, you feel so good because dollar for dollar, you're taking home a lot of food. <laughs> right. But you're you're eating way more than you need, which is, you know, why hopefully you're taking some of that home or, you know, See, one of the best. It all in one sitting. It's, it's such discipline to, to learn to go exercise an hour a day. But more discipline is just getting your body and your stomach used to having less in it. That's true because we are we tend to you know be a society that just overeats all the time. We have food available all the time. We have high calorie food. You know, at at work, at home, there's always tons to eat, and if it's in front of you, you're probably going to eat it. Mm, you're killing me. <laughs> I know it's it's hard, but it is possible. Okay, let's take a break. Come back and uh, continue this discussion with the Baking Dietitian. Uh, go to her website, bakingdietitian.com, and uh, more with Andrea when we come back. She's going to give us some tools about the diet, uh, how we can improve maybe you know the focus on the diet, put as much energy as we do in, uh, in our exercise, put that into the dieting and, and the process of maybe saving and counting some of your calories. That might go a lot farther for you. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here. Today we are talking about, uh, you know, the key to weight loss. Is it exercise? Because that's where we we seem to hear about so much. And when you look at a magazine, you just have all these hard bodies. 
But maybe it, it's more about diet. We're, we're looking into an article on Vox.com, Why You Shouldn't Exercise to Lose Weight, explained with 60 studies. And we had Andrea Ovard, the baking dietitian from thebakingdietitian.com. And Andy's gone through the entire uh, 500-page document and is now edifying us on what we should be doing with our diet. Andrea, welcome back to the show. Thanks. Good to be here. Your uh, your website, you got to go check it out, thebakingdietitian.com, because if you really like to look at pictures of food, it's incredible. There are a lot of those on my blog, yes. I'm starving. I've just decided. Hey, um, talk to us more about uh, the diet. I have found um, the number one way, and I have a... I have an Apple Watch, so I'm, I'm obviously very healthy. Uh, Last right. year, I also had a Fitbit, which kept me pretty healthy. Uh-huh. But the number one way I ever found to lose weight was simply finding a program to enter my calories and everything I ate. And when I was eating every, when I was documenting all the food I was eating, I was losing weight. Yeah, and that's actually pretty common. People tend to find, and studies have found that when people record what they're eating, whether they track it with calories or even just writing it down alone, helps people lose weight because a lot of times you don't realize how much you're actually eating or how many you know little snacks here and there actually add up. And when you're actually writing it down and looking at, wow, I'm eating a lot more than I thought or I have a lot more snacks than I thought, it helps you to just be more aware of what you're eating and to help reduce how much you're eating if you're trying to lose weight. Because, I mean, that's interesting because the, the, the food into your body, that's, that's something you need to know if you want to lose weight. But exercise is weird because it's, it's only a small portion of your calorie burn, right? Right. Only, yeah, like we talked about, only about 10 to 30%. And again, it is important for a lot of reasons. But as far as weight loss, it's not going to have as much effect as how many calories you're eating. Yeah, I was surprised that, I mean, I do a lot of speaking and I'll go work my heart out for an hour and a half speaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm like, that's all I lost? Yeah, right. Yeah, it's people tend to really overestimate and it's hard with like machines at the gym and things like that because they're so inaccurate. Um, and it's really hard to get a good read. I mean, I wear a heart rate monitor a lot of times at the gym, and that gives me a calorie burn, which may or may not be completely accurate, but it's based on your weight, your fitness level, the exercise that you're doing, and people tend to really overestimate how many calories they're actually burning at the gym oftentimes. You're, oh, you're the one that wears the heart monitor? <laughs> I do sometimes. Oh, I just I can't like to stand my guys. heart rate. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, would love, I would actually love to do that. Um, yeah. Well, but you also work in an in a intensive care heart cardiac unit, unit. Yeah. so that's probably <laughs> like you probably just what, grab how, one off the shelf my heart's working yeah um so weight loss and diet uh talk to me then what are some things we can do to make diet work and and, and actually spend maybe more of our energy more of our brain power on the diet side yeah, so I think it just starts with, you know, simple basic steps. Like you said, um, one good thing that I encourage people to do initially is I'm not always a huge fan of tracking all of your calories forever, but I think at least for the initial beginning stage, mm-hmm. it would be really helpful to just make you aware of where a lot of your calories are coming from and where you can maybe cut back. Um, so that's a huge thing. I think preparing things and being prepared ahead of time, you know, preparing lunches and snacks for work, Um, makes a huge difference because people tend to, you know, they don't have time to prepare ahead of time, so they just grab stuff from the cafeteria or the vending machine, and those tend to be usually not as healthy as what you would make from home. So it is a little bit more effort, but I think just preparing foods from home and bringing that with you to work is a huge 
part of it. And then, you know, portion control, like we were talking about earlier with restaurants and stuff like that, the huge portion sizes, just being aware of, of how much you're eating. Because even if you're eating healthy foods, if you're eating too many of them, you're still going to be over-consuming calories. And so I think that's a huge part of it as well as portion control. And I even tell, I taught a weight loss class at the last hospital that I worked at. And one thing I would tell people to do, and it sounds kind of weird, but is to measure your food out with actual measuring utensils. So use a cup when you're measuring your pasta, like what? an actual measuring cup. I know. Yeah. Because people have no idea. You know, they just, they scoop all this pasta <laughs> onto their plate or whatever they're eating, and they're eating, you know, three cups, and they have no idea where if you actually measure it out, even though it seems a little silly, it actually really helps you make, make helps to make you aware of how much you're actually eating. Yeah. I, and get, get a scale out. Right, yeah, measuring foods and just knowing how, because I think that is honestly one of the biggest things is just how much are you eating and portion control. Yeah, I think that we've been so distorted on portion size. We have, yeah, and if you look at, you know, just the the evolution of, of portion sizes and what it looked like even just, you know, 50, 60 years ago, it's doubled at least in most cases. And what's funny, it, the they've doubled the portion sizes except in some, at some restaurants, Things seem to be shrinking too, right? Yeah. So a Big Mac seems a lot smaller. Right. Either right. my hands are getting bigger <laughs> yeah. or something's not working out right. Right, right. Yeah. One of the things that you mentioned too is that uh, – and that's mentioned in the article is um, w- a lot of our decisions here are being based on maybe unscientific advice. Even the federal government and the food industry, they're not they're, – they're still trying to push their agenda. Right. And and that's a hard thing, especially in the nutrition world and the health world is everybody has an agenda and everybody obviously wants to make money and wants to promote their, you know, their own products and whatever. And so it is hard because obviously the food industry is going to push exercise because they don't want you to cut back on what you're eating. And so we get this distorted view and it's always black and white or one or the other instead of people saying, you know, hey, nutrition and exercise is important. They want to put it all on the other, yeah. you know, the other side. And it's, there's balance, right, somewhere exactly. here. Yeah, yeah, somewhere in there is balance, and that's what we need to find. What do you do if, um, if energy is an issue, right? Because so part of this is if you have enough food on board, you'll have energy, mm-hmm. but, if, but you also are trying to not eat as much. So how do you – is there a way to do this just by reading your energy level? Yeah, so I mean, I think the energy thing, obviously, we need to be eating enough to be able to fuel our body. And we need, an, you know, if you, that's why, like, we tell people, um, I tell people, never go on a diet that's less than about 1,200 calorie, 1, calories a day because that's just not enough fuel to, to give your body the energy that it needs. Um, and so I think just focusing on, you know, how you're feeling and, and, and intuitive eating, which um, there's a book called Intuitive Eating that I've read. And, you know, it's just focusing on really how does your body feel and eating, you know, what eating until you're full, only eating when you're hungry. But it's a very hard concept to get to, to actually, you know, be able to be in tune enough with your body to know when you need to eat and what you need to eat and not overeating and, you know. So is it's kind of a complicated process. Yeah, I mean, and is is that true? That is, or is it a myth that your your body recognizing it's full from when it really is full? There's a delay. 
Um, there is a little bit of a delay, so that's why they say, you know, if you eat a meal, maybe wait about 15, 20 minutes until you get seconds just to kind of, because your body's digesting, and it, it does take a little bit for your brain to catch up and say, oh, you know what, I'm actually full. If you're just eating and eating and eating, and then all of a sudden you feel overstuffed, you're not giving your body enough time. To, and, and there are other benefits of eating a little bit slower, you know, just helping with digestion and stuff. But I think we do tend to overeat just because of portion sizes, because that's just what we do, because we're not paying attention to our bodies. And so I think just slowing down and taking time to really think about what we're eating. And that's why I tell people, you know, focus on eating when you're eating. Eat in the kitchen, don't eat in front of the TV or in front of the computer because then, again, you're not focusing on eating and you're just, you know, usually eating more than you actually need or even want. Yeah, that's how my wife, she doesn't believe in diets either. Just no, just pay attention to what you're eating. Exactly, yeah. And even when, like, when I'm two-thirds of the way done with my meal, she'll subtly ask a question like, are you full yet? <laughs> really? And I'm like, no, I'm just getting started. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is um, talk about uh, metabolism? Is there a way to boost our metabolism? Is there a way to kick it in? I know the article talked about um, meta- metabolic metabolic compensation. Mm-hmm, what's right. what's what is the real deal with? Metabolism. Yeah, so there's a lot of contradicting evidence on this. Um, overall, what what studies are kind of saying now, what we've kind of found is people do have different different metabolic rates. Um, things that you can do to kind of help your metabolic rate. They there is contradictory evidence evidence on this aspect of it, but. Some some people say that if you eat more meals throughout the day, you know, more small meals, that can help with keeping your metabolism going all day. Some studies say that that's not true. So that one's kind of a little bit more difficult to decipher. But it, it could be helpful to eat more small meals throughout the day. And that, in general, that has been able to help people lose weight, they've found. Um, one big thing is actually going back to exercise. Muscle burns more calories than fat does. So muscle burns um, about six, what is it? Um, muscle burns about six calories a day, one pound of muscle versus fat only burns about two calories a day um, for pound of fat. And so if you're exercising, doing physical, you know, whether it's cardio and, and weightlifting and things like that, if you're building your muscle, um, that actually helps your metabolic rate. So you'll be burning more calories per day as you build more muscle. Hmm. That's a good idea. Yeah. Can, does, does the muscle burn uh, the fat around the muscle? Does the muscle burn? Because here's what I'm thinking. If I wanted to lose weight uh, in my midsection, I'd have to work my midsection muscles or could I just work my arms? Yeah, no. So it's really just overall. I mean, whether you're running or just doing overall weightlifting, there's not really such a thing as like spot reduction so much. It's not like you can just lose weight in your stomach or in your thighs or whatever. It's more just overall. Yeah, just increasing your metabolic rate overall by by building muscle. You're killing me, Andy. I know. I wish if I could just lose weight in my stomach, that would be great. (laughs) I was wondering if that's why my legs are so thin and (laughs) petite. Yeah, unfortunately, it's it's hard to spot (laughs) reduce. So, is uh, as far as diet goes, um, I don't know if you heard about Cliff Bar. I guess Cliff Bar just Mm -hmm. had a uh, voluntary recall. Oh, did they? I didn't hear that. But I mean, are are bars like that? These these kind of nutritional bars mm-hmm. are they are they a good supplement for a meal? And what about the protein drinks and all of these right. shakes they, and everything? They can 
can be, but it, it, there's just so many out there, and you have to be really aware. One thing I tell people to look for when they're looking at protein bars or protein shakes, things like that, um, I mean, I personally eat them and drink them, and I, I like them because it helps me to get more protein, but I tell people to look at the sugar versus the protein. If your bar or your protein shake or whatever has more grams of sugar than it does of protein, it's probably not a very good option. Um, a lot of those those protein supplements are packed with sugar and calories, and they do have protein in them, and people think, oh, they're healthy, but you really have to just be aware of looking at labels, looking for what's in them. Um, some of them are packed with protein and hardly have any sugar, and that's great, but some of them have, you know, are loaded with sugar and fat, and unless you're a marathon runner or, you know, something where you need all of that, it's not going to help in your weight loss unless you're, you know, being aware of what ones you're choosing and what you're actually using. Well, and it seems, yeah, if you're drinking protein shakes without working out, Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're just killing yourself. Exactly. You're just adding even more calories in that you're yeah. not. And you may as well eat eating. ribs, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Maybe not. Well, Andy, appreciate it. This is great stuff. Uh, and thanks for reading that incredibly large yeah, uh, it was interesting. article. And everybody, you can go find more from Andy Ovard at uh, thebakingdietitian.com. We'll talk to you soon, Andy. Thanks so much. Thank you. TheBakingDietitian.com. And again, if you just want to pass the time and not gain weight, go read her site and you'll just, there's so many good foods you could look at. You'll probably lose weight as you read. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. We'll take a break, folks. Come back and uh, continue the discussion. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. So, are you confused yet? Do you diet? Do you exercise? Why not both, right? Both. But if you have to lean on one side more than the other and you want to lose weight, I'd I'd lean on the diet. I'd I'd focus on what you're eating, how how much you're putting away. And get an exercise app. Get some tool to actually enter in your your food. I promise that single-handedly, if I want to lose weight, there's two things that automatically work. Uh, Stay away from McDonald's. Good tip. And D, I would... um, That's A, B, and C? Yeah. Okay. I skip B and C. (laughs) Just get straight to D. And then enter in how much... What you're eating. Because right. once you start counting that and you have a goal, I think I, my goal is like 1,800 calories or something. And um, then I'm once I'm hitting under that and you're still exercising on top of that, holy cow, that's when you just start to see muscles appear. Mm. Well. I mean, let's not get you see, well, you, too outrageous see here. Your fat disappear. And then eventually you get down to ribs. Hey, um, okay. So I'm going to – let me play a sound for you here. And I want you to imagine this sound. Okay. Sounds like my grandbaby. Now, that's not a big deal, right? If you're the parent at age 30, not a big deal. But according to a story, uh, an Indian woman now is a mother at the age of 70. And her husband, the father... This kid's taking over the show. Go ahead. 79 years old. Whoa. So now people are having kids into their 80s? I mean, 70s and 80s? What? They finally gave birth to their first baby. 
Um, uh, Daljinder Carr and her 79-year-old husband have been married for 46 years and had nearly given up on having a child, Carr, Carr said. But they saw an advertisement for IVF and undertook the treatment uh, two years at a fertility clinic. Bada boom, bada bing. The next thing you know, they've got a baby boy. Do you suppose they can hear when the baby wakes up at no. night? No, the baby's crying and they're like, huh? Do you hear something? What? What was that? What's that noise? I hear a noise. But can you imagine being a parent at seven, a grandparent at 70, no, a parent at 79? Hmm. I mean, everything, just the diapers cost has doubled. Yes. You'll be dead for their graduation. Oh, don't bring that up. They're just hoping to make it to preschool. I mean, at this rate, right? You're not only making formula, but you're, I guess, sharing your insure drink with them. Here you go, babe. <laughs> yeah, you probably eat the same baby food. Like, it's great. We all eat the same stuff. And you know how the babies always I don't grab really your... eat solids That's anymore, right. so it's fine. Everyone's eating mush. <laughs> it's Nobody has teeth. I mean, it's a sad, but I guess for a family that's never been able to have kids, 50 years, right. 50 years they've been married, wanted kids, 46 years. Unbelievable. But I don't know where you get the energy. I think God set it up so that you had babies when you had energy and when you're not as ornery. I don't know. Yeah, I just found this. Usually, you know, 40 is where people are like, oh, you're 40 and you're having a kid? Wow. But apparently that's becoming even more common. Uh, for women 40 to 44, the birth rate ticked up 2% from 2013 to 2014. And while the stats for those age 45 to 49 held steady, over 50 having a baby, 743 births in, in 2014 wow. compared to 677 in 2013. So wow. it, the rate's going up even at 50 plus having a kid. See, that means... 80 really is the new 70, or 40, for heaven's sakes. Cool. Congrats to them. And uh, poor, poor child. (laughs) It's never going to be changed because no one knows he's dirty. Stick with us, folks. We'll take a break. This is the Matt Townsend Show. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Top of the morning to you. And I hope you're having a great Friday. It's Friday, folks. So for some of you, you're winding up the week. You got to get all your, you know, all your work done. Maybe you can leave a little early and go impersonate an authority. I went to the Wharton School of Finance. I was like, I'm like a really smart person. June 3rd is Impersonate Authority Day. It's also National Donut Day, which is Mm, (laughs) my favorite day on earth. Is it really? National Donut Day. Interesting. I'm even good with donut holes. I'll take the donut or the hole. Mm. Well, it's it's foolish to discriminate, right? Yeah. Why? It's all donut. It's all donut. It's all the same. Some are round. I don't see <laughs> shape. Yeah. I don't see. <laughs> I, I don't, don't see, see shape. shape. That's good. I like that. That's good. Put Wait, that on Write a that down, Matt. Use that in one of your I presentations. Don't I don't shape. see shape. <laughs> That's a great line, Ben. Um, and Homer Simpson, man. Mm. See, my wife doesn't see him as a role model of any kind. 
Why? There's so many things that Homer has done. I read an entire book about the the philosophy of the Simpsons. Really? And it goes through and talks about this episode, they're pursuing this, and then it reflects on some of the greatest philosophers of our time, and it relates their teachings back to the episodes of The Simpsons. See, yeah. It's a it's, great book. So it's by a philosopher. It was a text book used in some colleges around the country to teach a philosophy in a kind of an inter- interesting way. Well, and it's interesting. It's modern-day philosophy. Yes. And which is what we're talking about on the show today is what's happening with parenting. There's – are today's philosophies of parenting – impacting your ability to create a healthy child, right? Because we might be more parenting like Homer. Right. And we probably need to parent more like Marge. Well, I think we're worried about doing going too far with our kid, pushing them in a certain direction and letting them to discover who yeah. they are without giving them too much guidance. There was a graduation, a high school graduation. I can't remember what, but they, they, you have the National Honor Society. Right. Well, they had the kids that were part of that National Honor Society not wear the, the button or whatever, the gold ropes or whatever it is to signify that they're part of that. They had them not wear that so the rest of the kids didn't feel bad about yeah, it. Yeah, you don't want people to feel Feel bad because you, like, had been, you were on the honorary roll. Yeah, it's, and it's things like that where does that matter? Are what we a, overthinking it? Do we are we trying to protect people too much to the point yeah. where achievement is now not even recognized? I think oh, so. Look <laughs> at me! I'm making people happy. I'm the magical man from Happy Land in a gumdrop house at Lollipop Lane. More philosophy See, from Homer, Homer Simpson, right there. But we are probably weakening people. Our children—they're not going to be—they're not going to have enough grit. Enough stick to it, or, or or to be able to step stand back up after failure. Yeah, they're going to expect success at every turn. Look, I'm great. Or yeah, the, or they'll think their failure was success. But the problem is they won't keep their job. Yeah. <laughs> hey, where's my trophy? Anyway, we will be talking about the awakened family, a revolution in parenting, up uh, in just a few moments. But first, let's get to the headlines with Terry South. Find out what's going on around the rest of the country. Terry, thanks, Matt. With the Democratic primary season nearly finished, and Senator Bernie Sanders refusing to drop out of his increasingly impossible bid for the nomination, Democrats on Capitol Hill have decided to take matters into their own hands. CNN reports that senior Democrats are in private conversations over how to push Sanders out of the race without it looking like they forced him out. So to do it without looking like they did it. In a phone call last month, Senator Minority Leader Harry Reid made the case to Sanders why it would make sense for him to leave the race after New Jersey and California vote on June 7th, according to one source. As one CNN anchor put it uh, to a uh, Sanders supporter this week, Sanders would need 107% of the remaining delegates to win the nomination. Hillary Clinton needs nine. If we're counting superdelegates. You're just using math. Yeah. So... Hmm. They're trying to push him out. We'll see what happens. Republican and Democratic presidential nominees receive a routine pre-election intelligence briefing once they've been officially nominated by their parties. While the briefing does not cover the most sensitive government secrets, it does involve the candidate being brought up to speed on information that is classified as top secret. (laughs) Information that eight senior security officials expressed concern Trump wouldn't be able to keep his mouth shut about. Yeah. He goes, I would be very concerned with Mr. Trump's ability to know what he can and can't discuss. Representative Adam Schiff, the top Democrat on the House Intelligence Committee, uh, told reporters, people are very nervous. A senior U.S. security official who asked not to be named also said another anonymous official said that the intelligence and security officials are trying to figure out who on Trump's team is trustworthy. 
pointing out that we've never had a situation like this before and yeah. punctuating it with ever. Right. And, oh, yeah. But then a spokesman for the Repu- Republican National Committee said the official's concern is misguided. The only candidate who's proven incapable of handling sensitive information is Hillary Clinton <laughs> <laughs> with her emails. That's so true. <laughs> so, it's, I mean, Trump, you know, know. can you just see like the NSA? They're like, yeah, we're not they're, they're behind the doors. They're like, don't tell make stuff up. Yeah. Make stuff up. It just just don't tell them the truth. That concern I found quite uh, quite funny. And then the punchline at the end from the Republicans going, well, you know, Hillary, come on. What's the big deal? What's there? On Thursday, the U.S. State Department issued a 2015 country report on terrorism, an annual assessment of the global terrorism landscape and how the U.S. dealt with it. The report's headline numbers compiled by the University of Maryland researchers are that terrorist attacks fell by 13% in 2015 versus 2014, and terrorism deaths fell by 14% to 28,300, mostly due to a drop in deaths in attacks in Iraq, Pakistan, and Nigeria. Hmm. There you have it. So still a lot of people died. But they're not. But not as much I mean, as the year before. Mm-hmm. So the economy's struggling. Yeah. Jobs dropping. Yep. Uh, war not going on in the Middle East, but lots of terrorist activity still. Yes. And acrobatic U.S. air fighters are falling out of the sky. Oh, that's sad. As the Blue Angels and an Air Force jet also had problems. Uh, it, might, it might sound like a French expletive or a new musical craze sweeping the South, but Tronk <laughs> is a brand new name of the Tribune Publishing Company, owner of newspapers including the Chicago Tribune and the Los Angeles Times. The, com- the, the company, which is abandoning both the 169-year-old Tribune moniker Tronk. and apparently the practice of capitalizing company name or capitalizing company names, because Tronk is lowercase T. Yeah, well, right? that's different. They announced on Thursday it will now be known as Tronk Inc., an acronym for Tribune Tr- Online Content. Tronk Inc. Tronk Inc. It says it's becoming a content curation and monetization company focused on creating and distributing premium verified content across all channels. Exactly. Now, App, or, uh, Google becomes Alphabet. Yes. Tribune becomes Tronk Inc. Tronk. Now, the Tribune company has been fighting a takeover bid from Gannett Publishing. Okay. Which has been going on for several weeks now. Where it's kind of a hostile takeover yeah, yeah. situation. Uh, they said trunk is the British term for a box where restaurant tips are pooled, which is apparently how he sees the company's new direction. Hmm. Not sure what that means. I don't think they ran this through uh, <laughs> their PR department. No, that was. Can uh, you imagine sitting there? You're the ad agent. You're the ad, the head of advertising and public relations for the company, and your CEO comes in and says, "Okay, I got it." We're calling it Tronk. What? Tronk. Yeah. Like the place where you put tips. Tips. Because <laughs> that's kind of what we are. We're the tip jar. Why didn't you call it tip jar? Yeah. I don't know. Or, or I don't know. Tribune. Tribune's a killer name. Yeah. No. Tronk. Call it Tribune Digital Publishing. And Just what if, add digital. What if Gannett had taken over Tronk? It would have been called Gronk. Granite. And that's already taken. Donk. Donkity donk. Yeah, that's, that's, that, that may be a bad name for them. That's a bad name. I, I think any way you look at it, it's a bad name. Trunk. I liked Alphabet. I mean, I didn't know you could steal the name Alphabet. Right. Because I thought everybody owned maybe, that one. Maybe that was taken more of a yeah. 
but Google is the every person company. <laughs> Trunk. That's going to be fun. Uh, again, imagine you got to get your new business cards. You used to be with the Tribune. Now you have to explain to everybody what trunk. this is. What is trunk? It's trunk. Okay, have you ever seen a tip jar? <laughs> That's what we are. We're like where all the tips go and they're aggregated. And then at the end of the day, they're distributed equally to the employees. <laughs> are you a newspaper anymore? Uh, well, <laughs> no, we That's are, up for debate. We bring all the information to you. Did um, – <laughs> unbelievable story I got to tell you about, about a man um, who uses his uh, – Prosthetic arm, mm. but not the way you'd think he would. Okay. An angry customer at a car dealership in Missouri used his prosthetic arm to attack a police officer and has been charged with assault. <laughs> it's the bionic man. Exactly. The incident happened it's about noon. It's a great show. Uh, Saturday at a car dealership after Joshua Stockinger, 28, returned a rented vehicle he'd been using to the dealer. Uh, at dealership because uh, they were working on his car. Stockinger had threatened employees over the phone before showing up at the dealership. An employee of the dealership called police before he arrived, and when he got there, cops were obviously there. Stockinger caused a disturbance in the showroom. Uh, employees asked him to leave, police say. Then when the cops pulled up, Stockinger walked to his car, and uh, he allegedly pushed the officer. Hmm. Grabbed the officer by the neck, Uh just like that. Nice. Grabbed him by the neck and started hitting the cop over the head with his prosthetic arm. Wow. That is like, that's bionic battery. Nice. Thank you. I used to do that to my brother. When we'd fight, I'd grab his fist and kind of pound his own head with it. Why you hit yourself? Why you hit yourself? This is different, of course. But <laughs> The officer suffered a cut above his temple, bruising his right eye, a cut on his elbow, and abrasion on his wrist. Huh. He was treated at the hospital and released. Stocking, Stockinger is now charged with first-degree assault. Isn't there a superhero kind of like this? That takes off his own limb and beat people with it? No, yeah. that uses a bionic arm. Oh, they're just like the Winter Soldier. He's got a robot metallic thing going on. Okay. You, you know that? Stuff's out of my head. That's just, you know, I'd have to go do some more research. To find if, if, we had, more. if we had given you the article earlier, you could have researched did your, more of an in-depth study. Yeah, database but, of... I mean, Colossus, but he, he turns into like an entire metallic being. So it's kind of, it's not really the same. Thing. Alert! Hey! Yep. You asked. I'm you answering right questions. into the trap. <laughs> We got him to go nerd in about 18 seconds. There's one called uh, Metamorpho. That he'll touch a, an organic object and it's oh. like steel. Yep. Sounds fascinating. <laughs> a man beat up a cop with his arm, his prosthetic. Well, I. that's great. And he used the implement that was most readily available. Yeah. It gives a whole new meaning to the long arm of the law. Except the law wasn't using it. Yeah. He was getting hit by The long it. arm on the law. There you go. Great. Great. I'm telling you, man. You, who can you trust anymore? I don't know. But you know what? He Maybe he's got other issues. Hmm. That's probably what's going on. He's probably got other issues. He seemed a little mad. Yes. A little, little worked up over something. But there is a rule. He needs some conflict resolution. Totally. Maybe you can talk with well, him. Well, and when they're fitting him for his prosthetic, don't you think they're saying, no, Larry, 
you can't hit people with we this. We do arm. not advise you hitting people with this arm. This is your sixth arm this year. <laughs> but was it like a claw on the end? No. But see, back in my day, yeah. when you had a prosthetic, there was like a hook. Yes. Right? They don't now do that as hand. much. Now yeah. it's a hand. Yeah. And it's bionic. Right. And it makes you go in slow motion. Yeah, that's what's weird. Yeah. And what's weird is like the minute you're swinging it, it's like. Yeah, and the sound effects are crazy. But it, I like it because it gives everyone a chance because everything slows down. Yeah, do you think the cop could have just stepped out of the way? Yeah, but... could have just side-dodged it. <laughs> oh, poor guy. Both of them, really. I mean, it's obviously the guy with the arms got a problem, too. Uh, we will uh, take a break. And when we come back, we're talking parenting. Today, folks, the philosophy of parenting may be hurting our children. And we're going to be talking with a good doctor about uh, the awakened family, a revolution in parenting. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Man, as if parenting wasn't hard enough, you know, we we have kids, we love them, they test us, but we also have you know, conceptions, perceptions, things that we think the kids need to be doing. And sometimes we're blinded. And especially in this modern era, we might have some misconceptions about parenting to help get our kids to the the highest levels of their potential, right? But if you're an overachieving parent, you could be creating bigger problems for your kid. And uh, we, we wanted to talk about it. And there's a book called The Awakened Family, A Revolution in Parenting. And Dr. Uh, Shafali uh, Suberi joins us. She's She's been on Oprah. She's a big deal. She's teaching us today about parenting. Dr. Shafali, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be talking about my new book and its ideas with you. This is an exciting, I think, uh, topic because... When you call, when you say an awakened family, um, I, I feel like many of our families are just sleepy, <laughs> tired, <laughs> exhausted. So, talk about the title of your book and uh, what's going on. What are some of the misconceptions we have as parents? Oh my goodness, where do I begin? <laughs> well, first, in terms of the word awakened, uh, it doesn't mean we're not exhausted and stressed out. It means that we haven't yet discovered. Uh, what the real purpose of our parent-child relationship is about, and to awaken to that understanding and insight is the path to liberation, joy, and freedom for both parent and child. Mm. So why did I write this book? I wrote it because I'm a therapist. I've been working with families for two decades now, and uh, all I see is a great amount of love between parents and children, but a whole lot of dysfunction. And the reason is that we in this modern parenting era especially have created such nonsensical, garbage-striped ideas about what childhood should be like. Uh, Mind my force in talking this early Friday morning, but I'm impassioned about it. Um, So we've we've created these ideas that are... Instead of leading children to joy, liberation, success, right, the holy grails of parenting, ask any parent, what do you want your children to be? Oh, I just want them to be happy and successful. Well, the, the path to this is not the path we're following. We are actually creating stress, burden, 
strife, disconnection, inauthenticity, and then we lead our children to become adults just like we are, lost, directionless, yearnings, addicted to some bad vice or the other, and looking for our authentic self when it was right there in the first place. So I help parents go on this journey in the awakened family to as best as possible, it's hard, but to keep their children connected to their authentic spirit so that they don't go losing it to only have to find it after 10 bad marriages and 10 bad addictions. Let's not do this to our children anymore. Let's change the paradigm so we're doing it as best as possible in an awakened and conscious way to what really matters in life. Oh, it's beautiful. I mean, because it does, if we end up not teaching, and I, I guess it is a spiritual component, kind of a whole, being a whole being, um, and, and I guess that might set our, our kids up later for fear and anxiety and just turmoil. Exactly, because we're teaching them what is the essence of modern parenting. The essence is overscheduled, overachieving, over-perfectionistic, overly anxious, overly stressed out to become something, right? That's the, the model. You've got to race through high school and do college in high school and take all these AP courses and get to the best school so you can have the best alumni relationship so that you can then get the best career so that then you can be happy, you know? Yeah. Uh, make sure you go, you go through this checklist. And, you know, this poor kid comes into our life, you know, here ready to play, to enter his imagination, to be in her most glorious, authentic body and self and version of who she can be in this moment and we rob them of the present moment race them into the future angst about our past driven on a level of obsession with our inadequacies and project this all to our children and then we tell them oh but you're really worthy oh but you're really (laughs) worth full of full of uh, competence really all you've taught me is that i'm incompetent i'm unworthy i'm not good enough i need to become something to be happy and and where is this happiness anyway like after which rainbow is this happiness going to come the happiness is right here right now our children are whole and worthy and complete right here right now and it is our inability to meet them there because of our sickness, our brokenness, our toxicity, our lack, that is creating this dysfunction. So my work and my message is really about parent, you know, raising the parental consciousness, raising the parental self to the highest level so that we don't mess with the wholeness that exists in our kids. They're good. Yeah. We're messing it up. We're just messing it up big time and not taking responsibility for it because this modern parenting paradigm says, we're fabulous as parents. We don't need to question our authority. We're always right. We can spank them whenever we want, say what we want. No one gets to tell us anything about our children. They're ours. Mm. And I question, I question all of this in my own daily life as a parent because I want to be humble. I want to say I don't know. I want to say I'm learning. I want to say I want to evolve. And this needs to be the yearning of every parent. Others are going to keep righteously messing up our children. Can you teach Dr. Shafali uh, awakened state of you know presence and being present and in your essence? If can you teach it if you don't do it if you don't know it? Uh, you can never fully know it, right? So yeah, right. So I'm on this path. I'm not a guru by any means. People like to call me that. It's their projection. It's such a yearning to become someone better in every moment. My highest state of consciousness. But there's no perfection, right? The minute I'm right. conscious, the next the next minute I'm not, <laughs> and the yeah. minute I think I'm conscious, I'm going to be on oh, my there knees. There I go. So it's about the yearning and the striving. And as long as we have that, 
everyone is on the same path. And, uh, and that's what this whole path of life is about, right? Is to become your highest version of awakened, awakened self and uh, your mindful presence and live this life in this moment to your greatest uh, awareness, right? Instead of sleeping, as you said, we're all sleeping. Yeah. We're automatons sleeping, trying to fit in, trying to get everyone else's approval, trying to get a, a, a better like on Facebook. I mean, that's what we're striving <laughs> for, you know, and because we're scared, right? All of us are just terrified for our children. I ask parents, what's your greatest fear? Because fear is the undercurrent. And they all say, I'm scared that my kid will fail. And when I tell them and I show them, okay, let's go there. What is the greatest failure? Homelessness, crime, jail. I'm like, okay, let's go there. You know, and in one of my lectures, I had two people who were homeless for a whole year on stage with me. Oh, and wow. I said, this is your fear, right? There is no, what if we take out this fear? And once I take out fear after fear after fear, and I say, let's take out that fear. Let's take out the fear that your kid will be uh, good for nothing because they got a C grade. Now, how would you respond? What, what if I tell you that that C grade is the path to success? Now what? Now will that reframe your entire interaction? Yes, it will. So once I take out fear after fear after fear then all we have is evolution and growth. And when we come to our children with that perspective that we're all growing together and everything is a muscle, suddenly there's no anxiety, right? right. And, and the child has endless desire to wake up in the morning and have a skip in their step because life is all about learning instead of the end goal. And I try and shift this for parents because I've seen in my own parenting when I shift it, I'm joyful. I'm liberated. I'm having fun with my kid versus a stressed out evening about grades that ultimately we haven't proven is the pathway to success. We haven't proven it. So till it's proven, jury's out. Let's enjoy life. You yeah. know, let's really have a meaningful life. I'm not saying sit on the couch and eat potatoes all day. I'm saying let's take out this uh, this uh, idea or this delusion that we know what the answers are. And in the meantime, we're screwing up the, sorry, we're messing up the connection between parent and child. Oh, yeah. I mean, I see it because I have a young family, well, younger, 10 to 20-year-olds, and um, they, it, we see it with all of our friends, everybody lining up for the next sporting thing and what's the next one and the next one. And there's so much pressure. And then I sit there and I think we're all under so much pressure that none of us are actually present. We're not connecting and just feeling joy with our child right now. Yes, exactly. So it's that fear of the imagined future that we believe is scientifically proven or that we're psychic is messing up the present moment with our children. And children's childhoods are only... You and I see it's just barely a decade, you know, yeah. it's not long. And these are the most pivotal years for incubation, discovery and self-worth. And we are robbing them of these pivotal years to create that. And not only that, robbing ourselves as parents to grow and evolve and enjoy our children. I mean, who better to enjoy in the world than children and animals and nature, right? And yeah. we just, we, in our race to the curve, to be ahead of the curve, we're, ignoring all these lessons that they provide. Talk to us about ego. I know ego and essence um, are probably, I know at least ego is part of the fear, right? Explain to just the average person that hasn't, you know, studied or read much about any of this. What is the ego and, and how does it get in our way of our spiritual growth? 
So the way I explain it, and everyone has a different take on it, and it's not uh, yeah. you know something that's proven. It's the way we talk about ego is that you know as children, uh, it's inevitable that we were raised with some level of unconsciousness from our parents, and because of that, we had to create a false sense of self to get our needs met. Right, so we had to fit in, and uh, we were told we weren't good enough on some level. So we were trying to, you know, either we became quieter or we became rebellious. You know, that that person who becomes rebellious doesn't want to be rebellious. He has to, you know, raise his voice or her voice because it's not working. They're not fitting in, and they're like, hey. So anything that we had to create that is that was not our authentic self is what I call the ego. Now the ego was created to get our needs met. So the ego is benevolent. It was created out of a good uh, survival technique of a child who did not understand how to stand up to the unconsciousness of the adults. The child just did what it did and it created this false self. However, now we grow up and uh, we find that this ego that at one point protected us, right? Like say, for example, it told us, don't cry because you'll be called a wimp, yeah. right? That ego now has become so thick and layered and encrusted with mold and cobwebs because it's been in overdrive is now actually, co uh, you know, caging us and choking us from living our life. Now we're like, I won't cry at all. And the I won't cry at all becomes I won't show my feelings. Mm. And the I won't show my feelings becomes I don't know how to handle other people when they show their feelings. And then that becomes I'm going to raise my voice at my son when he cries because I have that conditioning inside me. And it becomes the obstruction to intimacy with ourselves, with each other and life. So ego or the ego that was created to, 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 you know, be entitled, say, you know, that because we weren't checked by our parents to have humility, you know, because our parents, say, were afraid of conflict when they were raising us because of their issues. They taught us, oh, go ahead and be a narcissistic entitled brat, right? Right. So we, we grow up now emotionless and soulless and empathicless. Uh, this, you know, without it, and we are not connecting with others because we were raised to be entitled, and now we are, you know, entitled at home. So these ways, you know, that the ego gets created then block how we can relate with our heart, with an open heart in the present moment. Mm. And now it's time for us as adults to say, how do I break down the walls of my ego and come back to my heart, right? That's what the yeah. spiritual journey is all about, right. like letting go of the fall. So why do we have to do all this when our children had a heart? They were right there connected, and we disconnect them. Mm, yeah, and we're simultaneously building the foundation of their own ego. Interesting. Uh, we're talking with Dr. Shafali and her book about her new book, The Awakened Family, A Revolution in Parenting. You can find more about it at the, theawakenedfamily.com. We'll take a break, come back, continue this journey in uh, our own spiritual enlightenment and waking up. We'll also be talking about uh, her book list, 17, or Seven Parenting Myths, and uh, we'll start looking into some of those as well that might be coming from the ego and damaging um, some of our uh, parenting um, opportunities. Stick with us, folks, helping you see the good in the world. This is The Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, 
your life coach, your guide on the side, helping you love stronger. And that is one of the goals of the program. And who better to teach us how to do that than Dr. Shafali? She um, is the author of the book, The Awakened Family, A Revolution in Parenting, and has uh, agreed to join us today to walk us through how to become a more conscious uh, parent. Um, that was another award-winning book that she she has. We've got to get in the game, folks, and, and be present with our children in spirit, in um, in the moment, in, in the now. And if we could do that, we, we might actually quit doing the other things that we use to allay our fears and to just fill up our moments. Dr. Shafali, welcome back to the show. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. Thank you for getting the message out into the world. It's so important that we uh, get this parent-child dynamic right. Yeah. And and again, the book, you can go to the theawakenedfamily.com is a great resource to find out more about the book. In the book, and you've mentioned a bunch of them, you, you talk about seven myths um, that, that kind of that get in the way as, as parents. Uh, just maybe run through some of those. I mean, I know one of them, and this is you you didn't call them myths at first you just kept calling them they're things that are untested they're we believe they're going to work like like a successful child is ahead of the curve we believe that makes a child successful but you blow up this myth in in these chapters yes so uh, the you know you have them in the right order but uh and you can help me out if i get the order wrong but the first one i debunk is that parenting is about the child right that's the first idea that I completely debunk, because <laughs> unless we look at the uh, paradigm as one where parenting is about raising the parental self, we will keep looking at the child as an object, commodity, puppet, product, you know, in an unconscious way, right? No parent will admit this, right? They'd be like, no. But when I, when I deconstruct it for them, they're like, yes, <laughs> I have been treating my child as my, my appendage, my trophy, my bauble, my adornment. Um, and so, and I tell parents nothing wrong with that. The wrongness comes, if there's any wrongness, um, it comes in the unconsciousness and the unwillingness to even look in the mirror, the denial, the lack of ownership. Own it. Own that you had a child to fulfill your agenda, to be a complete human being. Can we start there? So that's the first myth. Hmm. And then, um, you know, the second one is uh, parenting is about raising a successful child. And I debunk that one because what is success? Who said that achievement in school and academics is the only path to success? What are the other pathways to success? And I claim that it's a life learned to live fully engaged in the present moment, connected to the authentic voice, truly original in spirit, whatever that is. It may not look like what the parent wants it to look. It may be gay when you wanted it to be straight. It may be, uh, you know, a, a shopkeeper when you wanted it to be a scientist. It may be a cobbler when you wanted it to be a, an astronaut. Whatever that child's authentic signature is, is the pathway to ultimate success. You, you know, I have to – let me interrupt, Dr. Shafali. Yeah, yeah, Last please, night please. Uh, I was talking with a mother – and her child had just graduated from high school, and she said, luckily. And um, I said, what do you mean? And she said, she's, she has dyslexia and has hated high school because this whole idea that you know success is on the curve, being ahead of the curve. But with dyslexia, she never felt like she was ahead of the academic curve. 
and didn't know that she ever would be, except she has so much more that she is about and has to offer, but we've categorized it one way. Yes, exactly. So it is our limited perception of things that boxes children with infinite nuance into one very boring template and our poor kids then have to become one-dimensional beings and they're you know 20-dimensional 100-dimensional beings every moment and this is the disservice we do not only to themselves but to ourselves you know Mm. you know when a child when you when you engage with a child and you truly can enter their present moment you know we've all experienced few moments like that at least where we open ourselves up you know, we let go of the chores, let go of the busyness, let go of the phone, let go of our distractedness. And when we simply enter a child's present moment, especially the young children, because they still hold on to their purity. Wow. Right. Like, oh, mm. this life is about eating this cookie under this tree. And that child is only engrossed in that. Yeah. And their ability to do that. And such trust in the universe that the next cookie will appear or the next thing will be taken care of. They remind us what we're missing, right? That essential trust, that surrender. Wow, look at them. You know, they're vulnerable, they're open, they have a tantrum, they have a tantrum. They don't care about their, their, their snot coming out of their nose. <laughs> they're just in the moment, you know. And then what do we do with that? We reprimand them, we shame them, we tell them it's not okay to have big feelings, it's not okay to feel. It's, you know, because we can't handle it, right? We yeah. have control and boxes and judgment. And, oh, it's so, so true. So aye, true. Aye, aye. Talk about <laughs> uh, talk about. There are well, another myth is there are good children and bad children. Oh my God! Right. And like, so you, you, you go. You got a good one. Yeah. This is like the most common. Each one is such a common myth, but yeah. uh, this one especially because we're so quick to say that's bad. And and you know my daughter will challenge me all the time. She'll be like, Why? Why? Why are you saying that? Why are you saying <laughs> this is bad? I, I'm not you, mom. I'm just me. You know. Yeah. So when 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 children present themselves to us and we want to. Slice them up into good and bad categories based on our unimaginative, limited understanding of human (laughs) nature. We shame them and we tell them, sorry, you cannot daydream that you can be an artist. That's bad because you're not XYZ or you're, you're XYZ and you're not an artist and that's bad. Whatever. Or you're not a sporty kid. That's bad. You're not a athletic kid. That's bad. You're not a, you know, whatever the categorization is. Because we simply don't understand that human nature is first and foremost limitless. It's uncategorizable. And, um, you know, we, because we feel afraid, you know, the other day a mother of a 14 year old said to me, he doesn't have an identity yet. He doesn't know what he loves in life. He doesn't know what he's going to be. And I looked at her and I said, uh, exactly, because that's what 14 year olds are meant to, to <laughs> do. They're meant to not know that they, they should not have an identity. They should be curious. They should be exploring and they should eternally be asking, Who am I? And stay in that gray space without needing to answer it, right? And the I-ness is something that's infinitely shifting at every moment in life. And they should not be comfortable saying, I am a painter. And that's it? That's it? Now what? Now we're done, right? No. So it's this whole, you know, idea of life that I'm trying to shift in this book so that we can do justice to the potential in our children and allow them to be unburdened and multidimensional. 
So my book, The Awakened Family, helps parents to, one by one, let go of these constraints so that they can enjoy the limitless potential of their children. Mm. I mean, really, it it addresses so many, uh, I think, profound combinations um because it's 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 the it's we don't want to categorize we don't want to limit our children but even another myth that you talk about is that you know good parents are naturals that we would just naturally do this stuff instead of realizing i guess that we're in a process of of learning of growing of evolving of evolving and there is no good and bad what is bad a kid who who speaks up and says no i don't want to eat the food you made me but please help me find something else is that bad? Is the kid bad to say, I don't like the food you made me because I'm sorry, it doesn't work with my palate? Or, uh, Mom, I'm so sorry, I, I forgot my folder at school. Can you help me out? I'm only nine. Is that bad? And what is a good kid? Oh, a good kid is one who says, yes, Mom, in a robotic way, or yes, Dad, I will do whatever you <laughs> say, my, my master and my God, then that's a good kid because they stroke our ego. So what is good and what is bad? And to reframe and to reevaluate and rethink in a really mature, sophisticated way. I think my book, dare I say, challenges parents to not be simplistic anymore and to, to pushes them, you know, pushes them to deconstruct their preconceived ideas of life, children, themselves. Uh, it's an uncomfortable book. It'll yeah. make people uncomfortable, but that's my goal. <laughs> Good. No, and I think that's that's what's, I, I think, so important. Um, one more myth just kind of uh, helped me understand is the myth about parenting is about raising a happy child. Oh, my goodness, right? Imagine yeah. me saying that to parents and telling them that's a myth, and they go, what? What? Are you, t- are you telling me I should raise an unhappy child because we're so dualistic, right? We just go to these extremes, black and white, unhappy, happy. And I tell parents, how about it's not happy or unhappy, and stop chasing the rainbow because the minute you chase for happiness, you create unhappiness. Why? Because the minute you say that happiness is outside of you, the minute you say happiness is not in this moment, it's something to be strived for, what does that mean? That means this moment is lacking. This moment is not replete. But if you have the idea that this moment is all you got and this moment is full, and even if this moment means I'm washing dishes or cleaning the bathroom tub or doing homework, but this is what we have to do because this is what we're called to do in this moment. This is it. This is the moment you have. Get into it. Enter it. Surrender to it and love it and be in it fully, either with the cancer or either with the toe stubbing or either with the uh, electricity being out because of a hurricane or traffic jam or a rude person in front of you. Whatever life presents is the moment that is yours and therefore engage, and that engagement in the present moment is, quote-unquote, happiness, because I don't even know whether we know what happiness right. is. But, but true engagement is the purpose of life, because this is all we have. Then it. that repivots everything, doesn't it? Oh, totally. And it, and it also allows you to kind of release a need to control tomorrow and just bask in today. Exactly. Exactly. And, and it's not to the reckless abandon of tomorrow, right? right? If we're not just going to forget, like, because that's what parents would say. Oh, so I'll just, 
I'll just stop paying the bills. Right? Yeah, that, yeah. No, 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 no. Paying the bills is what this moment is about. Pay the bill with glory. Enter, enter the love of paying the bills, in fact, and go and do what you need to do, right? But do this moment because it's this moment that matters. You're not doing this moment because of a promise of tomorrow. Yeah, that's right? we do. We're so used to living tomorrow, even though you know it may not even come. Oh, absolutely, exactly. <laughs> but but that doesn't mean we don't do what right. we need to do. In yeah, this you got to still either. get yeah get the get the stuff done, um, Doctor Shafali. As we let you go, we've got about a minute left. What would you say um, other than obviously go buy the book and everyone go look at the the website, the Awakened Family dot uh, com? Um, but what what should what's one thing that we could do today, this moment, now to be able to truly be awakened with our family. The one thing you can do in this moment today is to take a pause, put the press the pause button for a few minutes to this evening and step back and watch your child as they are and find one thing to appreciate about them because that one thing is going to blow up into a hundred things and then count those blessings and connect with your child. Mm, that's beautiful. I mean, and that can happen every hour. Yes. Let's yes, just start with yes, that, yes. though, tonight. Yes, yes. That's great. Yes. Dr. Shafali. lists of things to do and just do that. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for your book. Thank you for your insights and your time. Thank you so much. You Bye. bet. Bye-bye. Again, everybody, go to theawakenedfamily.com. What a great uh, activity today. Go sit down, spend a minute, and watch your child as they are. And just appreciate who they are. You know, don't worry about the mess they're making. Don't worry about everything else that's going on. Just appreciate them in the moment and then see what happens. See how long you can stay in that moment. Powerful stuff. We'll take a break, come back, do a little uh, wrap-up of hour number two of the show. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us, helping you see the good in the world. And by the way, you're part of that good, right? We'll be right back. coach would have put me in fourth quarter we'd have been state champions because life doesn't come with a handbook you need a coach here's dr matt and his coaching corner Play ball. welcome back everybody to the matt townsend show great uh, interview with dr shafali i'm telling you we 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 need a new way of looking at this we have a new life with all of this technology at our disposal is it helping us is it, is it helping you to actually become present and to be able to stay in the now? We do. We are so over-programming our children. And our belief is if they've got – when they graduate, if they can graduate with honors and five cords around their neck and three scholarships, then they'll be happy. Right? So I know a guy that is graduated number one in his class – Graduated number one in his med school, graduated number one, uh, was the chief resident, was in the top program, then the hardest med school you could go to, had it all, right? Wanted to go live back by family, couldn't do it, couldn't get back to where his family lived because there weren't jobs there. (sighs) Killed it though, making a great salary, uh, has a wonderful family. Lives away from family, though his his the family he was uh, his parents, and um, interestingly, the job's great, loves it, 
He gets to do a lot of fun stuff after work because he gets out pretty early every day. And then at job, at the workplace, people are quitting and being fired and the guys now has to work double shifts and he's killing himself. And his happiness wasn't brought to him by number one in school. You can still be number one in school and never make it back to live by your parents again. You can be number one in school and still have to work double shifts and be going crazy. It's it, like like uh, Dr. Shafali was saying, there's no guarantee. But it's it's not – we're not doing it because I don't – I truly believe we're not doing it because we think it's the smartest way. I think subconsciously we're afraid not to do it. We're afraid to leave anything undone because we're afraid we may have missed out on something. And as a parent, we really don't want our kids to mess up, mess, mess up or miss out. So we're trying to live their life the way we would live it if we could go redo our life. But that may not jive with who your kid is. If you've got a child with dyslexia, if you've got a, a child that doesn't learn well in a sit-down classroom where it's just linear and rote and just handed down, then you're going to have to find another way, which is why the homework assignment that Dr. Shafali gave us, which is go spend some time just watching your child as they are. And even if uh, as they are, if it's crazy and chaotic, that's good. Because that's cluing you in on who they are. And you probably need to find an answer seeing their chaos and through their chaos, right? Anyway, parents, we got to figure it out because these kids are different. And as a father of six, every single one of my kids are different. I can't parent my first one like I did my second one. It doesn't work. So uh, instead, I've got to learn to get in the now and be present and allow maybe more of my spirit, my essence to lead me. And not my fear. We can't just operate out of fear or we create a monster life. Make sense? That's the coach's corner. Take it or leave it. You know. We'll take a break, folks. When we come back, we're going to continue uh, having a lot of fun. We're going to be talking about movies. And we also are going to do a brand new segment called News Flush. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on this side, helping you through life one one little story at a time. Uh, on the show, we try to bring you the tools, the information you need to live a healthier, happier life, whether as a parent or a spouse or just, you know, a regular citizen trying to get through your day top of the morning to you. Actually, bottom of the morning for some of you. And uh, we got a great uh, hour coming up. It, because it's Friday, we like to uh, go to the movies and get you ready to find out what's coming up. Um, and today, we'll be talking with um, Rod Gustafson about uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's it's out. Heroes in a half shell. <laughs> what? It's a great line. That's, that, that's what they're called. Yeah. 
I love Heroes in a Half Shell. Yeah. Mm. They eat pizza? Yeah. They, they drive a big garbage truck that shoots manhole covers? Um, they built that for the movie? Yeah. Alert nerd. What they did? It's in the movie. Yep. Makes a good toy, too. You're launching manhole covers. They fight ninjas. Okay. Who are employed. Employed ninjas. By a warlord <laughs> from Dimension Z. Nerd! He's trying to invade uh-huh. New York, and so they fight off an alien invasion. <sighs> His name's Krang. He's like a, a brain-looking thing, and he mm. has like a huge synthoid mm. human-like body, yeah, like and he kind of hangs thing. out in the stomach. Sure. Huh? What? No, that's fantastic. Watch the cartoon. Why? It was awesome. Read a book. Non. Leonardo, Donatello, Michelangelo, Raphael. Turtles. Nerd alert! Yep. We just bring up one movie title. Mm-hmm. We just exhausted all of our nerd sounds. Okay. I guess we're done then. <laughs> Holy cow. That's the movie coming up. Make a note, Ben. Don't bring up anything that has to do with Marvel Comics, superheroes, okay. heroes in a half shell. Okay. Turtle, um, turtle so power. We, we've, we've covered amphibians. What about reptiles? Uh, we talked about reptiles yesterday and uh, let's – yeah. Anything – well, anything – it doesn't matter. Whatever it is, if it has anything to do with a superhero, we cannot bring it up ever again. Okay. Would the 15-foot cro- uh, alligator yesterday count? No. It's, that it's is, kind of supernatural. He's not a super, no, but that's, okay. that's more of a – that's a new business idea. <laughs> Gator ball. Gator ball. Gator ball coming to a stadium near you. Hey, uh, we've got a great show coming up. We're going to get to Rod Gustafson, talk about <laughs> Heroes in the Half Shell. Also, um, and the the new movie out that not not very many people love, apparently. It's not supposed to be loved. It's supposed to be enjoyed. Exactly. Then we're going to do what's called News Flush, you know, the news you may never use. It's, it's news that we've gathered and haven't quite got to yet. And we want to get we want to get rid of it so we can clean, you know, clean. We have to get rid shelves. of it because there's going to be more next week. Yeah, yeah. So you just have to news flush. Yeah, news flush. We'll be getting to that in a few moments. Also, be visiting with our good buddies from BYU Sports Nation. Find out what's coming up on their uh, show, and we got to find out about what they thought about Game One. Hmm. Warriors seem to be in nice form, except. It was all of the bench that yeah, pretty much pulled them out. Rest of the players. So we'll get to that. But first, let's get to the headlines with Terry South. Terry, what's up? Thanks, Matt. Hillary Clinton declared Donald Trump temperamentally unfit to be president in a searing foreign policy speech in San Diego Thursday in front of 18 American flags, which we talked about. Donald Trump's ideas are just different. They are dangerously incoherent. Mm. Describing the presumptive GOP nominee's proposal as a series of bizarre rants, personal feuds, and outright lies, Clinton also predicted that Trump might start a nuclear war should someone ever get under his very thin skin. She then contrasted her extensive foreign policy experience as Secretary of State to Trump's lack thereof. Also mentioned if a golf course deal goes wrong, he may try to bomb somebody. Right. I mean, this is different than a a golf course deal going bad. This This is real world. 
issues. And Trump when, uh, responded on Twitter. I, wouldn't, I didn't quite see what he said, but you can imagine what he said. <laughs> the Republican House Speaker Paul Ryan wrote in a Thursday op-ed that he will vote for presumptive Republican presidential nominee Donald Trump in the fall. He's previously said that he wasn't ready to endorse him and had questions about him pushing the GOP platform and can we yeah. get the, the House agenda through? We need the president's help. And Apparently that's all been put to bed and he's going to vote for Donald Trump. Uh, speaking of Trump, he's continuing his all-out assault on U.S. District Judge Gonzalo Curell. In an interview Thursday with the Wall Street Journal, Trump said Curell, the presiding judge over the Trump University fraud lawsuits, has an inherent conflict of interest over the fact that he is of Mexican heritage. Although Carell was born in Indiana and is an American, Trump seems to believe that the judge's heritage alone is a problem, adding that his policy proposals on immigration may make the judge his ethnicity relevant mm. in the case. Wow. It seems like you're going to tick a judge off. Yeah, and he did. That's why all the information on the, it was sealed, yeah. all the documents. Now all the Trump University documents are out. <laughs> And we're finding out that Trump University may or may not have been sketchy. <laughs> uh, three soldiers died and another six are missing after an army truck overturned during a ma- major flooding in Fort Hood in Texas. An additional three uh, troops were recovered and are in stable condition. The service members are part of the 3rd Battalion, 100, or 16th Field Art- 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 Artillery Regiment, 2nd Armored Brigade Combat Team. And so... They were out trying to help people. The truck tipped over, and they were oh. uh, they were injured that way. The flooding in Texas is is crazy. There's still more rain coming through the south, up through the the west co- or the east coast. With uh, there's uh, tropical depressions off of North Carolina, South Carolina. So uh, weather's going to be an issue all weekend. Finally, in London, yes, this is important. Uh, when you when, Matt, when you go to a restaurant to eat. Mm-hmm. There's music playing. Oh, yeah. Do you notice it? Oh, it depends. If it's like um, Hard Rock Cafe, mm-hmm. how could you not? It's, is it bothersome? It's deafening. I hate it. Okay. But there's other places where it's light and it just kind of fades mm-hmm. into the background. Yeah, just and nice, romantic. Quite add honestly. some ambiance, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, a campaign groups have called for a ban on music in restaurants claiming it is oppressive and ruins the dining experience. Anti-nose group Pipe Down which calls for freedom from piped music, has joined up with a charity action on hearing loss to ask restaurants, cafes, and pubs to turn the music down in England. Wow. Restaurants will be urged to stop playing music completely, while pubs will be asked to incorporate more soft fabrics and materials to help muffle sounds. Wow. For, says for some people it can be irritating, but when it leads to you getting the wrong order or not being able to have a conversation and you're missing the main bit of a joke or converse or you know whatever the person is talking about, you feel left out. Background music makes it hard to pick up a particular voice. We would ask restaurants not to play any music whatsoever. None. Just keep it down. This would be perfect. You could have a conversation. There's other people talking, obviously. Does one. this bother you? No. But I've been to some uh, steakhouses yeah. that play country music, and you can't talk to the person across from you. I went to one place with some people that uh, were friends of my wife. I didn't know them, and it was awkward because you couldn't talk. So I, I, I had to sit across the table and just stare at this other guy. And pretend like you heard that. And we just stopped talking after a while. <laughs> Did you? But you kept staring at each other, which You're was right weird. right there. You can't say anything. It's just, it was so awkward. We, we should just play this throughout the show from now on. Let's see I if this annoys be... anybody. If it annoys you, give us a call. 1-855-CHAT-BYU. 1-855-CHAT-BYU. If not, Ben will just keep tickling the ivories. 
I didn't know Ben could the, play the piano. Does he take requests? No, don't ask. Don't the, ask. This is the only song I can play. It's This uh, studio's really busy today. Yeah, well, it's that time of year. People are getting out. And they're trying June? To, yeah. Oh, everyone oh. left. <laughs> all left at the same See, time. See, when they turn the music off, everyone stops. Yeah, what? It's it's a game called Freeze Music. Freeze. <laughs> it's Red mu- light, green light. Musical tables. Interesting stuff. Um, did you hear this? Uh, well, let me put it this way. Mm-mm. As you know on the show, I like to coach people of all types and ilks. Bad boys, bad boys. What's it going to do? What's it going to do when they come for you? In the uh, Coaching the Con segment of the show, um, you got to be careful. when You, you know, if you're going to threaten somebody mm-hmm. with a gun, be careful that they're not in a bouncy house. What? Wow. 59-year-old man is facing charges after threatening two juveniles Mm. who had incorrectly delivered a bounce house to his address. Robert Joseph Barron was charged with second-degree assault and threats of violence in connection with the incident. According to the charges, two juvenile males were delivering a bounce house for their business last Friday night when their GPS uh, led them down the wrong driveway, you know, which could happen. Yeah. But you're delivering a bouncy house. It's a bouncy house. I mean, by the way, Bouncy House stands for joy. Mm -hmm. Lots of children just bouncing around. I mean, what could be better than that? Well, this guy didn't like it. The woman told them that they had delivered the Bounce House to the wrong address, so the two boys began packing it up so they could take it away. The complaint states that when they were packing it up, Barron pointed a shotgun at both boys. And when the officers uh, found Barron, he was intoxicated with a blood alcohol content level in excess of uh, 0.20. Hmm. So that might have been affecting his judgment on using, I guess, a shotgun in that situation. It seems like they made a mistake and they were packing up to leave, right? What? Can we – what? We made a mistake. Now, was the guy angry because he wasn't able to – Participate. I bet that's what happened. At first, house? he's mad, like, get that bouncy house off my property. And then, after throwing a few back, he thought, hey, I want to bounce. And then they had taken it down by then. That's right. Now, he never hmm. fired a shot, but uh, as we like to do on the show um, to teach what could have happened, this again is what it would have sounded like had Mr. Barron actually fired the gun. Sad day. Yeah. You, you hear the sadness in that bouncy house. See, we're trying to help everybody on the show, not just the non-felons, not just those that get inebriated and then mm. shoot up or potentially could hypothetically shoot up a poor little bouncy house. And if you're two teens, you got to be terrified. Look, sir, we were just told to deliver the bouncy house to this place. <laughs> get your bouncy house out of here. I'm telling you, man. It's not safe anywhere. If you can't be safe delivering bouncy houses, hmm. where are well, you safe? Bouncy houses have an inherent problem. They're in the news quite a bit of being caught by gusts of wind and tossed into and the air. And around. Having little kids fall out of them it's as they're tragic. flying around. Holy cow. Uh, you know, it could be worse, though, just I guess while we're still on the uh, coaching the con. A 77-year-old congressional candidate. Did you hear about this one? She was busted with 180 pot plants. A congressional candidate. Mm-hmm. Huh. 
Let me fill you in on that one. 77-year-old congressional candidate accused of growing 180, 180 pot plants doesn't think her political ambitions have gone up in smoke. <laughs> Police in so Crossville, Tennessee, raided the home of Flo Matheson. Flo who is running the Democratic primary for the sixth running for the Democratic primary for the sixth district congressional seat? Oh, she's a Democrat. Mm, oh, she's okay. Weird. Detectives said that they became aware of an indoor grow operation on Matheson's property <laughs> and obtained a search warrant, according to department press release. Matheson told WATE TV that the authorities raided her home and barn on her land. She probably just thought she was like, "Those are my herbs." Yeah. It's they, oregano. They found 180 marijuana plants and grow wow. equipment. Wow. Mm-hmm. Is that within the personal use? Uh, no. No, that's well outside that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, it's personal use for like the her district. <laughs> that's probably why she was doing it, right? <laughs> she's doing a little storage for the district. Wow. Uh, and um, apparently she's saying – she, I guess, admitted that uh, they were her plants. And she also came flat out and said, I smoke marijuana. I'm guilty. I did it. Now she hopes the indictment helps light a fire under her campaign. Or will it just smoke out? (laughs) Thanks. We're here all day. Try the roast beef. I really don't regret what happened, Matheson said. It's been a life-changing experience for me, and it's made me even more defiant and determined to try to get these laws changed. She then went in her house and had some brownies and... (laughs) Some chips. That's how she's trying to turn the vote out right there. Just tell everybody, hey, I'm I'm not even just pro-marijuana. I'm growing it, and I want to be your president. I want to be your congressman. I don't just talk the talk. <laughs> I walk the walk. Unbelievable. What's happening to this world? Anyway, you know, it could be worse. We'll take a break, folks. When we come back, we'll be talking with Rod Gustafson about uh, the new released uh, movie, you know, Heroes in a Half Shell. So much to learn about the mutant ninja turtles. Coming up next, we'll be right back. To the Matt Townsend Show. Man, uh, it's Friday. So Friday means it's time to get to the movies. And who better to help us know what movie to go to but uh, Rod Gustafson from ParentPreviews.com. He's a film critic specializing in uh, reviewing movies and media from a parent's perspective. And Rod, you got a doozy. (laughs) You got a doozy today in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. This, of course, you know, this is one of those franchises that's always the word they give to these things it's a franchise that's been around since the 1980s it started off as a saturday morning cartoon and you'd think an idea this strange would eventually just dry up and go away (laughs) but no and in fact it seems to be picking up speed and when i went to the screening for this matt i always look at the audience and it was really interesting the audience was full of uh, mainly skewing definitely towards males, but some females in there too, and people in their 30s who had brought their kids to this. Really? And, 
Yeah, and surprise, surprise. I'm sure they grew up with it. Yeah. And now they're introducing their kids, which is exactly what, of course, what Paramount Pictures, who is distributing this movie, that's exactly what they're hoping for. It's one of those double-pronged marketing things where the the, the people in the 80s are now wanting to enjoy it with their kids. Well, we, speaking of 30-year-olds that can't stop talking about it, Terry South, our producer, once we brought it up, he was just giddy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Terry is right in the demo. He he's, is. He's addicted. And uh, I didn't know they were called Heroes in a Half Shell. Yes. No, that's that's part of the that's part of the lyrics. You remember the ad, if you if you wait for the closing credits, you will get to hear the original the original theme song of the Mutant Ninja Turtles. Do you know? I won't yeah. sing it today. Yes. Wow. <laughs> that's a that's, that seems like we had to wait around for that to to happen. Talk about the the name of it is Out of the Shadows, right? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows. I mean, what do you think? Is it? I mean, I don't I don't ever assume that there's a great story or plot to a lot of these. I think it's just you know parading around the talent so we can sell more product. Well, let me put it to you this way. We really should get Terry on here to talk about it because I think you and I are not going to be the pair of people that are really going to appreciate this. Yeah. Now, I have a friend who's about 30, and when she found out that I had I had an extra ticket for this, I told her, well, if you want to meet me at the theater, you can. And I thought the other good part about this was she – I knew she knew this genre really well. So she's sitting beside me, and Matt, I'm sorry, I, I, I was kind of sleepy. And I can hear her laughing away, and she's having a great time. So really? uh, having said that, my audience was actually quite responsive to this movie, and the, the young kids as well, I know this seemed to quite like it. Now I'm going to delve into the, like you asked about story. Okay, so I'll give you the story real quick. Yeah. There, there's a bad guy that keeps reappearing in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. His name is Shredder, and this time he is teaming up with an even badder guy in fact it's not even really a guy it's this 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 creature he's an alien and he lives in this big huge metal robot and the robot's stomach opens up and this thing in fact one of the mutant ninja turtles describes him as a he looks like a chewed up piece of bubble gum and that's exactly <laughs> what it looks like it's this head with two eyes and a mouth and and he's going to take over the world and he's using shredder as a puppet and shredder is this ongoing enemy of the mutant ninja turtles so of course the mutant ninja turtles have to come in save the day guess what city's getting blown up once again in this movie matt uh new york how did you figure that out? I don't so, know. Everyone's got it out for New York. Everyone does. So once again, New York is the center of this huge destruction that's going to happen and everything else. So, you know, really, that is in a turtle shell. That's that's what's happening in this plot. Um, and the reason that I think the reason that you come and see it is for the ridiculous sense of humor that this film has and for the action sequences. But the action sequences... If you are bringing a child to this film, and when I say a child, I'm talking, you know, probably the 10 and under crowd, know that this is, I was surprised, Matt, the action in here is pretty serious. Uh. It's like many other superhero movies. It's definitely a solid PG-13. Um, not as, as, as intense as maybe what we've been seeing in some of the other Marvel films, but certainly has more to it than what you would expect for something based on the Saturday morning cartoon. Hmm. 
And that's kind of the strange thing about this film is that the script is written for an eight-year-old, but the action is is much more adult, and there's some sexual content in it as well. Michael Bay produced this film, and of course, Michael Bay, known very much for the Transformers franchise, and he likes working with Megan Fox, and so Megan Fox plays April in this movie. April is the sidekick to the to the turtles, and she's a news reporter, and so... You know, there's one scene, for example, where she wants to extract information out of a guy. So what does she do? She goes and she steals a little mini skirt from a retailer, puts that on and ties her shirt up to to reveal, you know, her, her navel and whatnot. And then she goes and uses her womanly wiles. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I don't know that I want my eight-year-old son no. being taught these lessons. And so, I don't know, I've, I want my daughter to learn to do that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there are some, there's some give wow. and take one what yeah. grade did you give it b minus it's right on the line for us matt you know i uh relatively speaking i mean there's not a lot of content compared to well, with the exception of violence compared to many other pg-13 films but you know parents i, I i'd heed the pg-13 on this uh, i'd be careful with younger children coming to this film and they may find that villain i was describing earlier He's the stuff of a six-year-old's nightmares, yeah. six-year-old nightmares as well. Well, in fact, it's funny that you brought him up because Terry also brought him up. And Terry is giddy and couldn't stop talking about it. <laughs> so it's all good. Hey, um, so uh, this will be up on your site at parentpreviews.com, right? It is there. It's there already. You know, and you, you could go deeper on this, too. After you're done watching the movie, if you take your teenagers to it, it's kind of interesting, Matt, looking at why what the teenage mutant ninja turtles reflect they they're very reclusive they love to eat pizza they're you know it's kind of interesting how uh you can see some of the if you go a little bit deeper how you can see some adolescent ah. uh, reflection on these characters which yeah. is kind of a fun thing to talk about with your kids after and it might be just a great movie if the if the dad and mom are into it because they watched it when they were younger and then you can talk to your kids about it maybe your older kids anyway that might open up something yeah, I think that really is your best bet for this movie is to you know watch it with your kids and keep it to more the the older kids. I think that's where it's the most. I think that's the age group it would be the most suitable. Yeah, that's good stuff. Well, Rod, we appreciate it. Everybody, go check it out at parentpreviews.com, plus every other movie they've reviewed and previewed over the t- over the time. And they're great talking notes, things you can talk to your kids about. Um, well done, Rod, and have a great weekend. Thanks, Matt. You Thank too. you. Take care. Folks, we'll take a break. Come back. When we come back, we will do uh, uh, what we having what's called a news flush. It's a new opportunity and a new segment in the show to flush some of the stories that uh, maybe you don't even want to hear. <laughs> but we got to do it anyway. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to News Flush, the news you may never use. In this segment, we like uh, to we, we, we collect stories all day long, and uh, we don't get to all of them because, you know, life just keeps a changing. So we want to flush some of the news and just get rid of it. Uh, but how do you how do you know where to start? Well, let me tell you where I'm going to start. And I'm going to post the video of it on our Twitter page, at Dr. Matt Show. Crazy, just guy comes home from work, 
walks into his house in his living room. Are you kidding me? Are two snakes mating, hanging from the ceiling in, I guess, uh, they're mating. And um, I don't know what else to put it or how else to put it. They're hanging from the attic entrance just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and the guy is freaking out, and he shows video of how he ends up trying to get him. Eventually, he catches one of them, and one of them eludes him, and he is now looking for a snake somewhere in his house. Check it out. It'll be on our uh, Twitter feed. Terry, you got something to flush? Chick-fil-A? Ooh, don't flush that. You're a favorite... Love it. Love the Chick-fil-A. They have a new app. So you can order your food before you arrive. So when you walk in the door, it's waiting for you. It's a takeout. Is that needed? Absolutely. They're joining, uh, well, the Dunkin' Donuts, Taco Bell, other uh, restaurants that have had this app out. McDonald's is working on one. So you can order your food and not have to wait. Wow. Again, I don't know... I kind of don't find that to be a problem. I think it's a little. It's extreme. still fast food, right? It's still. It's faster food. It's it's fast enough. Uh, my next flush is going to be a woman makes a chilling discovery after buying a thirty dollar freezer. She's just looking for a freezer, okay? And she bought the freezer uh, from somebody she met at church. And then when she opened the freezer, she found a human body frozen inside saw that one it was the woman that sold her the freezer for 30 bucks it was her mother lesson there is look in the freezer when you buy it always always check out the freezer before you take it home simple rule from the matt townsend show Mm -hmm. a man in canada has this thing when him him and his wife got married they went to a kentucky fried chicken for dinner right after they got married it was their post nuptial dinner so for 15 years on their anniversary, they ate at Kentucky Fried Chicken. They took their boys, made it a family event yeah. on their anniversary to go to Kentucky Fried Chicken. Well, they live in a place in Canada I, can't, I cannot pronounce. It's kind of remote. And their location closed after 47 <gasps> years. Oh, there goes the marriage. So this husband drove eight – well, let's see. No, he drove uh, 400 – no, 870 miles round trip. To the closest KFC, he bought 15 buckets of chicken. Wow. And drove home. So that, you know, you can enjoy. He likes. Secret recipe for months, I guess. <laughs> he likes chicken. I, did you eat at a weird, a weird restaurant? So we ate at Wendy's. We spent, we had an entire huge reception. Didn't get any food there because we were talking to everyone. And then left the reception, paid all this money, and then we went to Wendy's. We took the food home with us. We had food from the reception with us. Wow. Yeah. You thought ahead. My father-in-law was like, here's a box for you guys. <laughs> there is. It's for me. <laughs> it cost him, get this, $600 in fuel and chicken. Wow. To be able to celebrate in this way. He loves his wife. And his chicken. Hey, uh, this is for for uh, Nerd Alert. Um, you ever seen the movie Shield or the television show Shield? Every single episode. Why do you ask? Because it's Michael, called Agents of Shield, by the way. Yeah, okay. They call it the Shield. 
here. On oh, the- no, no, no. You're talking about the TV show Shield. Yeah. Nerd alert! Which was on FX. There we go. Which was a cop show. Here we it's go. Not a, it's not a nerd alert. It's a police drama. Oh. oh, I thought it was the Agents of Shield guy. No, that's a whole different. Check this out, though. It's a cop show? Because yeah. listen to this. Uh, actor Michael Jace. Yeah. Has just he was um, found guilty Tuesday of second degree murder in his wife's shooting death. Yes, fifty three year old Jace faces a sentence of forty years to life in prison when he is sentenced in June. Holy cow! So he's on a cop show. Was the show's been was, over for several years? Yeah, and now is uh, going to jail. Yeah, prison, forty years. I wonder if someone's going to recognize him and think he's a cop. Hey, there's that guy that arrested me. He Dude, that, I'm an actor. He's that cop on that TV show. <laughs> Seriously, I am an actor. <laughs> I will be doing Hamlet in the courtyard at uh, when we get to go outside for some daylight. <laughs> anyway, what else you got, Terry? Sleep, sleep scientists in England have confirmed what we already knew. Getting to work before 9 a.m. is torture. <laughs> it is. It says staff should start work at 10 a.m., says Paul Kelly, the honorary clinical research fellow at Oxford University Sleep and Circadian Neuroscience Institute. Okay, Put I'm that le- on a business card. I'm leaving. I'll, you guys can get me in 20 minutes. He goes, <laughs> we, we've got a sleep-deprived society. It's hugely damaging on the body system because you are effectively physically, emotionally, and uh, emotional, and the performance systems in the body don't function correctly if you don't get enough sleep. Wow. Typically, when researchers talk about sleep deprivation and morning schedules, they're studying children and adolescents, and indeed, the toll the, the toll sleep deprivation takes on health is particularly taxing for adolescents and young adults whose rhythms aren't aligned with a nine to five schedule. But adults older than fifty five, by contrast, may find early wake times less onerous because their rhythms shift forward as we age. Wow. So I don't know 10 a.m. 10 a.m. is the optimal start of work time if I you want to get enough sleep. What's the optimal time of work stoppage? I'd well, that's the thing is if you start earlier. at 10, they're going to push that back to like 6 or 7, you get off work. And that's, yeah. that's kind of the bind. No, we can't do that. No, that's too late. Well, speaking of sleeping problems, uh, there's a, a great prank that we will put on our uh, Twitter page as well, at Dr. Matt Show, where a snoozing student – Left a university lecturer <laughs> startled. The kid, so the, all it is is a video showing, you know, a lecture hall with a professor up front um, talking. And apparently a student had fallen asleep behind the projector screen up in the front of the room and was sleeping but uh, and was on a table up there sleeping. Apparently he rolled off the table in the middle of this guy's lecture oh, wow. and fell right below, right underneath the projector screen. So the body just sort of he just hits out. the ground hard, wow. and then he kind of shakes it off, stands up, grabs his backpack, and runs out of the room. <laughs> so obviously, and the professor that just stops and just looks like, "What is going on?" Here? Mm. He hit hard too. So um, somewhere there, there's a student, not just humiliated, but also with a, con- a concussion, and um, obviously underslept based on your study. So I have now – I have data proving your studies right. Oh, well, there we go. We've School confirmed also should start after 10. There you go. Not just work. Uh, flush that. Send it to mom. We'll take a, a break, folks. And when we come back, guess what? We're going to be talking with our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. 
Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. A little happy music for our good buddies down at BYU Sports Nation. We know they love the Enchanted soundtrack, and so let's shoot it down to our good buddies, see what's going on down there. Hello, gentlemen. What's up? Spencer will be here momentarily. Hey, uh, we're playing your favorite song, Jerem. How'd you... No, I, I like the the other song in that movie. In Enchanted? In, oh, Enchanted. No, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. You, you don't, you're not into Enchanted, are you? Is that the one with uh, Amy Adams? I think it is. Where Live they walk action. around New York? I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was fun. That was a fun movie. That was good. That was, yeah. Fun had by all. Yeah. Hey, um... I don't know that actor's name. He's just Cyclops His from name's the original. name's James Marsden. From wow. The original X-Men. Are you serious? You just came out of nowhere with that? James Marsden? No, I mean, you, you... I didn't even know you were with us. Oh, I'm with you. Then I know you're over there, you know... Shaving. I was literally like 75 seconds ago. Holy cow. You're going to have razor burn. Too late. What do you do, guys? What do you do? Hey, I got I got so much to ask you. Uh, what do you think about game one of the finals? Uh, predictable. War- the Warriors. Predictable? The fact that the Warriors won. Well, not how they won, but part. the fact that they won. Yeah, that was not, interesting. Not but- predictable was the two, the two best shooters in NBA history. Having an off night, and the uh, Warriors bench was amazing. They, they're ten deep. Yeah, they are. Like it's pretty crazy. It's like your show. No, we're four deep. <laughs> oh, no. I know you just offended the other nine people on your staff. Oh, our, no, our staff. Oh, there you go. Deep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's what I meant. But yeah, I'm not talking about the Warriors no. coaching staff. I'm talking the, about the players. Aren't they? I mean, really? That was all of a sudden. Steph doesn't even need to hit anything. Yeah, there was a there was a long time there where, where it was like they don't need to bring him back in the game, and then Cleveland got it down to eleven, I think, uh-huh. three and a half left. Curry hits three, Thompson hits the three. See ya, bye bye. Get they, on the bar and the get out of in there. In the third quarter, yeah, isn't that crazy? Okay, I've got I've got more for you guys. I've got more. It never ends here. Uh, there's a new push out there um, on some blogs that I've been reading that. <laughs> That are talking about that it's okay for men to hyphenate their last names. So instead of just the female hyphenating their name, um, you now could hyphenate your name with your spouse's name to signify your unity as one new unit. But whose name goes first for the man? Well, obviously, you have to arm wrestle for that. So, like, if you're unified, do you go with the wife and take her maiden name as your middle name? Yeah, you probably would have to choose— is one. That's the idea behind unification. <laughs> but don't you think, I mean, would, would you guys, what's your wife's maiden name, if you want to say? Anderson. Kraft. All the mac and cheese you could ever want. So it would be... With a C. So, so it would be Kraft Jordan or Jordan Kraft. I don't like this idea. Anderson Linton or Linton Anderson. Anderson L- Linton. Linton Anderson is walking around somewhere. I'm pretty sure that's my accounting firm. <laughs> No, Anderson Linton is more likely to be walking around because Linton is not a first name. But, but but Linton is a last name and Anderson is a first name. But you know what I hear? I hear that it the ladies they think this is a hot idea. Oh, baby. Luckily, I only hubba, worry about hubba, ladies. Hubba. What what do you mean? You don't have to I mean I don't care what the ladies think? No, the ladies, ladies meaning your wife. Yeah. Oh, Jerem, you care about what ladies think. I do not. I'm Jerem. married and it's over. See? You don't have, you don't don't have hair like that and not care about what the ladies think. <laughs> <laughs> why, why would I care about what 
other I don't women know. think. Did you guys hear about the um, the guy that walked into his house uh, after work and he found two snakes in Greenwood, South Carolina, hanging from the hallway ceiling in an act they were mating? Okay. This is why I probably won't live in the South. Two long Ever. snakes. I'm sure it's oh, great. baby. That between and a... <laughs> That and between, uh, also the 15-foot gator also in the south on the golf course. Have you guys thought more about gator ball? Gator gator ball? Uh, unfortunately. Not not until you just brought it up, brought up this very second. Can you guess who would sponsor gator ball? Uh, the Florida Gators? Nope. Crocs. Gatorade. Gatorade. And you know what else? Nailed it. Do you know Where what Gatorade happened? Gatorade come from, Matt? Gatorade came from a, the first invention of Gator Ball, where a guy lost his leg, and then the the EMTs had to come and give him Gatorade. Nope, it was developed at the University of Florida, the Gators, mm. to help them defeat to the, aid them in the humidity and the struggles of a football game. Oh, so you? Oh, wow! So you've actually seen the Gatorade commercial then? Yes. I'm surprised you haven't and didn't go there. I have, but I'm still trying to promote <laughs> Gator Ball, and nobody seems to be picking up on it. If not, you could we could have the um, the really fun two snakes mating in your hallway. That's just wrong. What do you do with two live snakes that are in that? You um, know, there's so many wrong things about that that it's just very disturbing. Well, let me just ask you this: Do you leave and call an exterminator, or do you just get the broom? Oh, uh, you call an exterminator. You call animal control. Mm. I think you need to call a dating site first. Oh, who's that guy on I the Discovery Channel? I call in the militia. <laughs> That's what I do. Who's that guy on the Discovery Channel that yeah. uh, comes and takes it, care of all these wild oh, yeah. situations? Uh huh. Let's call him. Oh, I'm trying to think of his name. But we have to fly him in is the problem. You always got to fly him in. That's totally the problem. Hey, well, you, you guys. don't live there and you're good. And by the way, I forgot to tell you, it's also <laughs> National uh, Donut Day. Oh, we're well aware of that one. We we sent one of our production assistants. We have donuts on the way, Matt. Do you really? Yep. Mm, donuts. Yeah, we like really. donuts. Can you? Uh, I mean, I'm. I don't want to. You know, I don't want to be presumptuous. But were, was were the donuts for everyone at BYU Broadcasting? Nope, just for us. No, <laughs> it's kind of selfish. <laughs> Listen, we walk past. You know, Studio C every day. I know. Studio C. Nice stuff. I know. They get so everything. It's hard for us to want to share. Yeah. Have you noticed <laughs> they, doing that. sometimes they'll take the, like the, the, what do they call it? The little <laughs> kitchen area and yeah. they'll say, yeah, sorry, Studio C wants to eat today. Hey, when you have Scott Sterling on staff. I know. You know time. what? It's they getting... use our studio for their extravagant craft table. Oh, man. <laughs> And we can't have any of it. You know what? I, they just had a <laughs> I just sign. Just want a couple pieces of ham and pepper jack. I just want some red vines, man. <laughs> they just had a sign on the restroom saying, "Sorry, Studio C will be using the restroom today." It's horrible. <laughs> yes, they'll be using it. Your restroom is located no, in they're... the Newark Airport. <laughs> Listen, those guys are big time. It's awesome. It's we big need, time. We need them. Yes, we do. We need them. And huge. you know, they could share. I'm just saying. It's just. I mean, what is it? It's just a little ham. There are uh, portable <laughs> toilets outside the building. There is a construction site next door. If you guys want to use the toilet there, that'd be fine. Hey, are you guys still doing your show today? I mean, course, it's still going on. Of course. What's, what's up? What's up? Well, in the spirit of the Warriors and what they did last night, the unpredictable part with Sean Livingston leading all scores, thought nobody yeah. ever 
Hey, that happened. We ask, in the spirit of BYU football as well, what player not named Taysom, Tanner, or Jamal is the most important player for BYU football? Who's BYU football? Sean Livingston. Ooh, that's a great question. It's a great question. So bring it. Use the hashtag BYUSN. Mm. Blaine Fowler will join us. Sweet. He'll weigh in on that, one of our analysts, as well as Shaq Walker of BYU Men's Track and Field. He, get, he is going to compete in two different uh, events at Nationals. Have you ever heard an week. interview with him, Matt? No. He's a cool dude. <laughs> is he cool? <laughs> he's, he's, a, like, he's, like a, he's like a five foot seven dude from Georgia. Maybe he's had snakes. Yeah, ask him about snakes. On a plane or he's something. He's a fan favorite for like 25 awesome. different reasons. <laughs> There's a dude at BYU named Shaq. Ooh. From it's, Georgia. It's awesome. From Georgia. He's great. Did Convert, you, return missionary. 5'7", 140. Did you see Shaq do the under the real Shaq do the yeah. undercover thing? Maybe ask ask this Shaq who, who, if who hops in that car and doesn't immediately recognize. What him. you don't recognize a seven foot six huge man? Not everybody's a sports. What fan. in the world? His knees were up to his shoulders. <laughs> There's only one guy. He's that fantastic. Like this. He is like that. a fantastic personality. Yeah, he is. He's all personality. That, that guy's had fun, man. What a life! He reminds me of you guys, except for he's different. Well. <laughs> Yes. And I mean that in the best way possible. That's my grandpa would say. (laughs) Well. Well. All right, guys. Go have a great show. I got to let let you go. Okay. Got to go. Goggles on, my friend. Goggles on. Peace out, yo. Have a great weekend. Wow. That's cool. I didn't know we have a shack at BYU. It's kind of cool. Hey, uh, back to the um, coaching a con segment. You know, you want to be nice to people. And uh, so there's there's a a man that was – that held a door for a police officer. What a great guy. And uh, as he's holding the door for the police officer, um, this Massachusetts man ended up going to jail for it. Authorities say Kayvon Mavadot was at a mall when he held a door open for a police officer that was leaving. The officer thought Mavadot was – he had looked familiar. And he went to check his cruiser's computer, and the officer found that there were three warrants out for his arrest for drug possession, shoplifting, and driving, and holding doors open for people. Wait, I didn't know driving was an offense. Uh, driving with a suspended license. Oh, okay. Well, and by the way, the way you drive, totally an offense. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean that yeah, the best yeah. way possible. Oh, well, I, I understand. I have no yeah. offense. Yeah. Uh, the officer returned to the mall and arrested Mavadot. So what, are we trying to teach our criminals no longer to hold doors open for people? Yep. Pretty much. Pretty much what I would do. We've learned a lot on the show. One thing we learned is very simply, don't ever fire a shotgun at a bouncy house. Right? That's what we've learned. We've learned that it, it's, it's not good. Uh, we've learned from a, a guy with a prosthetic arm that you don't assault a police officer with your prosthetic arm. It's not fair. It's not healthy. It's not good. We learned about snakes uh, mating. We learned about a first-time mom giving birth at age 70. I mean, don't tell me you don't learn stuff on this show. All day long. We learned it's National Donut Day. We learned that we got to get our parenting up to par and start focusing on the now instead of waiting and hoping that our kids will love us after we get them you know, through college. <sighs> We've learned a lot. We also learned that Terry was 
extremely offended at Rod Gustafson. Yeah, Gustafson, yeah. because Rod talked negatively about Teenage Ninja Mutant Turtle yeah, shells. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I mean, the guy's 30. Terry's what? Terry's 39 years old. Is it about turtles or frogs? I don't know, but Terry needs to man up and it's time to let those shows go. It's time that he just starts focusing on being a dad and beating his son up with a pool noodle. These are the lessons you get nowhere else but here on The Matt Townsend Show. So as we wrap it up, you know, we always like to do a hero story. And what better place than West Fargo, North Dakota to go find our hero? Our hero is simply kids using their water guns and saving a homebound West Fargo resident from a fire on Tuesday. According to a release from West Fargo Fire Chief Daniel Fuller, firefighters were called to a deck fire at an apartment in um, uh, in the 3400 block of 5th West Street. While en route, units were notified that the occupant of the apartment was at on home oxygen and could not leave the apartment or put the fire out. When firefighters arrived, they found the remains of a planter that had caught fire. The flames had been had extended to the siding and the wood decking adjacent to the planter. They were right ready to catch fire of the entire um, apartment. The fire was already out, however, when they got there, because guess why? Some kids used their water guns to control the blaze before the firefighters arrived. Fuller said in the phone interview Tuesday that the boys and girls all are all students of Aurora Elementary in West Fargo. He said the kids uh, live in the same apartment complex and had uh, joined them in a water fight outside the building. And guess what? When they smelled smoke, they tracked it down and they used their super soakers, which they could do from a pretty good range to put the fire out. Pretty cool stuff. See? So when you get a super soaker for your kids, it's not just for fun anymore. It's also could save a life. Uh, the fire chief said it's pretty unusual that kids do that, and he wouldn't recommend that they go play near fires with their super soakers, <laughs> except it turned out this time to save uh, a woman's life. So they are the heroes of the day, the super soaker kids from Aurora Elementary School in West Fargo, North Dakota. You're the heroes on the Matt Townsend Show. All of us could be heroes just by being where we need to be when we need to be there. The best place to be the hero, though, folks, is probably in your own family's life. So make it a great weekend. Look after each other. We'll be back next Monday helping you see the good in the world. Until Monday, take care of each other and make it a great one.